Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Go Hayes hits a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy end blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live, as we are going to have Game 3 of the World Series tonight. Cannot wait. Ready for a little baseball. And it's actually, you know, as much as we hate rainouts in the postseason, it actually is kind of a good thing for baseball in a way that all of a sudden, you don't have any competition tonight. There's nothing as it's getting cold around the country. I mean, outside my house right now, it's pouring rain. I mean, pouring rain. Like, I walked out on my gutters that haven't been cleaned, like probably like all of you, and the leaves are starting to come off the trees, have clogged all my gutters. So I spent probably uh, an hour or so before this show getting on a ladder and cleaning out all the leaves in my gutter. So, you know around the country, it is getting cold. It's cold on the East Coast. There's going to be a lot of people watching this game. So, if there is any good news to come out of the rain out, you're not competing against Monday Night Football. There's no college football. you got nothing going on. The country's going to have one thing to watch tonight, and it's going to be Game 3 of the World Series. The knuckleballer, former A's pitcher, broadcaster for the Houston Astros, Steve Sparks, is going to be with us at 1.30. Anthony Castro-Vince will be here at 2 o'clock from MLB.com, also an author. Roxy Bernstein will be here at 2.30, and we're going to have Scott, is it Frank? How do you pronounce his name? Scott Fransky. <laughs> Scott Fransky is the, is the pronunciation of the Phillies radio play-by-play voice. 
Fix your mic. Make this the last minute. Let's let's make sure everything your button's not on, you're you plugged in, you're ready to go. Yeah, we're good to go now. You're ready yeah. to Scott go. Scott Fransky is his name. Fransky. Radio play by play voice. Scott Fransky. Well, how does that, how does he feel about the fight and fills tonight in game three of the World Series? I'm sure they feel good. They're gonna have like what, forty six thousand people at Citizens Bank. Fired Park? up. They they're twenty one and Lick, nine. liquored up. Twenty one and nine at home since uh two thousand four, I believe it is. It's like the best record at home, minimum, I think, 25 games in postseason history. So Philadelphia's going to be ready. Eagles has won again over the weekend. Uh, they, they look good. They're undefeated still. So Philadelphia's on fire right now, unfortunately. Yeah, I saw some notes on that that were just pretty my Phillies, yeah, 700 winning percentage, 21-9 and all-time at Citizen Bank Park. The best home record of any team in any ballpark that has ever hosted at least 20 playoff postseason games. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, not Dodger Stadium with their dominance lately. Yankee Stadium, no one wants to play on the East Coast. That's garbage as they keep losing. Not Houston. You think Philadelphia over the years has been the toughest place to play in the postseason is absolutely amazing. And the rainout thing, I sent this to you. Did you put this in the notes what I did about the rainouts? Uh, no, but I haven't, I was looking at that for, there was something going, oh, it, uh, pushes back, uh, Aaron Nola to pitch on full rest tomorrow for game four. So in world series history in Philadelphia, game three in 1993 delayed because of rain game three in 2008 delayed because of rain game three in 2009 delayed because of rain game three in 2022 postponed by rain. That's one, two, three, four, four straight game threes from 1993 to 2022 had issues with the rain in Philadelphia postseason history. Oh, 08 was the race. 09 was Boston. And then obviously this year's Houston. What was the other one? 19 what? 80. 1993, which would have been the Blue Jays. Blue Jays, yeah. So Blue Jays, That's Rays, crazy. Red Sox, and now Astros. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah. That. <laughs> Well, it's Philadelphia on the in uh, at the end of October, early November. But now. the fact that it's always on Game Three, yeah, it's a bit eerie. That's one of the weird things. And that went out yesterday, right? So what it went out on Halloween. Ooh, that's right. It's November first. There's a couple ways I want to go with that. By the way, happy birthday! Thank you. November first is big for me because it is my 34th birthday today. But I have a feeling you're the kind of guy that every birthday's big to you. Uh, no, uh, 21 was not really a big deal. I didn't drink then, and uh, 30 was a big deal. But you were like, like it's my birthday, like, like, like special things happening today, yeah. on a, on a Tuesday. Uh, nice dinner. That's about it. Not even nice. Dinner, I think but. you were thinking about taking the day off today. No, I'm not one of those people who takes a day off. Um, I like to save my. Is it a birthday month for you? A no, birthday? I'm week? not one. Of, I mean, I, I, I made the joke to my wife that October was birthday month because my birthday's on the first, so I got October all the way to November. No, but there are people like my wife. I'm throwing her under the bus to celebrate a birthday month, and I just, that just drives me crazy. That's the dumbest thing ever. She's turning 34 this year, you know so what? it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. For any of you people that celebrate a birthday month, you're selfish. You were born on a certain day, and if you want to make that day your day, I, I'm totally down with it. But if you think that you're so special that you deserve a month, that people are supposed to recognize you for an entire calendar month because you were born in that month, you got to check yourself. You may be selfish. 
Am I off on saying that? No. Uh, we were looking through this yesterday in the uh, A's offices, and they gave me a balloon because I guess they pass around a balloon. You got a balloon? That says happy birthday. It's from uh, Justin Marshall, who works in uh, A's Productions. He gave me the balloon. It was passed on from uh, someone that works in his office to me. Then we looked at November, and we are pretty sure that nobody else in our department in marketing – communication, broadcasting, anyone that we work with has a birthday in November. So that, bir- that balloon stays in my um, desk the entire month of November. I uh, I never got a balloon. Well, you're not in the office. You have to be in the office to get a You have a to balloon? have a desk. I finally have a desk now, so it's a big deal. You know what? I will, I will give up the desk and go into the office and not get the balloon. Probably a fair trade-off. Yeah, I'll trade that out. You can have the balloon. You represent us. Inside the office, we want to say thank you to everybody who showed up Friday at the Chicken Pie Shop in Walnut Creek. It was outstanding. Uh, Great crowd turned out watching game one of the World Series, won by my Philadelphia Phillies, uh, who everybody didn't give a chance. I I heard these donkeys talking about a sweep and this. They weren't even going to be able to, you know, muster one game. So, we're thinking about now putting together a Christmas party, an Ace Cast Christmas party. We'll have more details on that coming up. Um, how I want to start the show, though, is not about the World Series. It's about something that actually is probably more important to all of us. And because it's November 1st, and because we have an election now just around the corner, You know, I've been watching a lot of stuff, reading a lot of stuff, and there's a lot of people out there who want to have answers about Howard Terminal. They think they're in the know. We got Twitter accounts that are just fake names, fake handles, that act like they're on the inside. They got the inside. They're inside this thing. They know this. They know that. Brody has done a great job. The two candidates that are the front runners for mayor, he's had them both on. I've listened to both of them. We don't have, we're not, as A's employees, we're not in the meetings. I haven't been. No one's requested my appearance in a meeting about Howard Terminal. Have you, have they said, Cody, we need you to be in this uh, official conversation about the ballpark? No, uh, no one has uh, No one's asked me to be in there, unfortunately. I, I have no uh Breaking news on that. On Have the, you watched Brody's interviews? I know, but I haven't seen it yet. Nah. But, I, I mean, I'll get to it. Uh, you don't need it. Well, you, you'll tell me about it. Yeah, there's no answers. There's a lot of what you've heard before. A lot of what. I'm just saying it's November 1st, right? Correct. 2022? Uh, yes. And we're about to be November 2023? Well, yeah. Well, 2023, yes. We'll be coming up. Oh, it's right around the corner. Yeah, it's two less than two months away now. And well, as we all, and as we all know, if you work in any kind of business, we are getting to that point where Thanksgiving's about to be here. And I'll tell you, there's not many industries unless you're there's some food industries or there's certain people who, you know, retail there's certain parts, certain industries that do wear, do well during the holidays. But most industries, they start to shut down. There's not like a whole lot going on in late November 
through December, through the first of the year, New Year's Eve, New Year's, there's not a lot that goes on. They don't get together in politics. There's not a whole lot going on in Washington. There's not a whole lot going on in Sacramento. There's not a whole lot going on in Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose, wherever. You're going to have an election. You're going to have new people. And then all of a sudden, it's we'll see in 2023. That's where we're at. That's your answer. Everybody can have opinions. And we know what the old saying is about opinions. Opinions are like blank. Everybody's got one. But you just stand on the facts of where we are November 1st, 2022. Where we'll be, today's a Tuesday. We weren't able to do our show yesterday. I had some some family issues I had to take care of. But we'll be on tomorrow. You think things will be different tomorrow? Uh, no. On the the Howard Terminal front, no. World Series wise, yeah. But Howard Terminal, World no. Series, yes. Yeah, yeah. Unless there's a <clears throat> storm that's coming off the Atlantic that they don't know about, the Doppler. I we'll know about baseball. Well, maybe this rain's going to be there by tomorrow. <laughs> Pouring outside my house right now. And by the way, the first. I mean, this is in this sad that we're in November and this is like the first rain. I already saw the panic drivers on the on the freeway today when I was coming. And by over. the way, there's no rain tomorrow. This is like blowing through, and see you yep. later. And we'll see. You, we'll see you rain again, maybe in sometime in December. Unbelievable. <laughs> my my lawn is going. Thank you. Um, it'll not if it'll look like it did in, during COVID when you looked like uh, your town everyone looked like Augusta. Oh here. my God, my lawn during during COVID because <laughs> I had nothing to do. I was like, I, it, it looks like I, I worked for Scotts for Scotts. You know, Scotts does. Yeah, all yeah, the, yeah. I, I look like I worked for them. I mean, my stuff was cut. It was. I mean, you could play golf. You could have had a picnic. You could have. You could drop food on my lawn and pick it up and eat it, and you'd be fine. It was pretty immaculate. I remember. Yeah. Seeing pictures, I was. We were. We weren't together then. And they had a lot of rain going. We did have some rain during that. But my point is, like, I get this. I get all this stuff sent to me. Right? Did you see this? Did you see that? You guys are. Oh my God! Bob Nightingale tweeted this, but this is not exactly what was said. Da, da, da. It's all still the same stuff. It's all the same stuff. Nothing's changed. Nothing. To your fake Twitter accounts with your opinions, nothing's changed. And you have no answers. You literally have no answers for whoever you are, who you claim that you're on the inside. You got no answers. So if you got no answers, it means they got no answers. I listen to those interviews with Brody. There's no answers. There's none. Deadlines blown past. It takes me back to years and years and years ago. A very astute person. I will not say he or she. Who probably some of you would know. It's been gone for a while now. Said Chris. And this is, man, we weren't even talking Howard Terminal then. This was a long time ago. I want to say... This might have been like 2010-ish, I was told this. It's 2022, right? 12 years ago. Wow. This is like, this is like oh, I'll tell you now. How long have I lived here? Seven years? Here in your house? Here in this house. Oh, I don't know. That's, that would that'd be for you to know. I've only been coming here for Six, three years. Six, seven years? I'll never forget when I was moving. Here, here for, for all you know-it-alls on Twitter. 
who think you know everything about what's going on and you're inside City Hall and you know what the A's are doing and you know what City Hall's doing, you know what the county, you, you guys know the players. You got the answers. Let me say this to all you fake Twitter people out there. It was either six or seven years ago I moved. And my old house had to get rid of everything, right? You got to get – it's great to move. Like, you just go, honey, gone. This gone, this gone, this gone. I found a letter from someone who was on the JPA, wrote me a letter. I'd seen them at an event. Now, remember, this is when we're talking, we're going to save the A's, the Raiders, and the Warriors. Okay, we're saving all three. I remember the guy, he was on the JPA, he comes up to me, introduces himself, was a super nice guy, we had a long conversation, and yeah, I'm down, let's save all three, how can I help? At the time, I'm I'm at 95.7, got my talk show, and then after I had this meeting with the guy, he sent me a letter, thanking me, and talked about how we're going to get this done and everything. And I'll never forget, I'm moving, and I'm going through boxes of stuff, and I found this letter from this guy who was on the JPA. God, I wish I would have kept it because if I saw his picture, I'd know him. But he was on the JPA. Joint Powers Association, right? Isn't that what it stands for? I think so. Here, I'll Google it. So he was one of the guys, right? Joint Power. They're running it for the county and the city, right? He wrote me a letter that I found seven years ago, Townie, don't worry about it. We're all going to be done. Everything's going to be fine. Raiders, Warriors, A's. And I don't even know when I got the letter. I got the letter like in 2010, 9, whatever. I just know when I moved, I found the letter. We It was going to be good. Negotiations were going good. Dealing with all the teams and the city and the county and the JPA. They got it. Takes me back to that conversation I had in the press box. They said, Chris, I've been around this person said, Chris, I've been around it a long time. Let me tell you how it works. It's like a big boulder. And I've told the story before, so if you haven't heard it, listen up. It's like a big boulder. And you get all these people to try and push this boulder. And they can barely move it. They're all behind it. Barely move it. And then all of a sudden, they all leave. And then the new crew comes in. And then they get behind, tries to push the boulder. And then they all leave. This is mayors, city councils, JPAs, county people, city people. And I'll never forget this conversation. It was like 09, 2010, something like that when I had this conversation with this person. What year are we in? 2022. Are we getting a new mayor? Uh, Yes. Are we getting a new city council? Yes. So what this person told me 12, 13 years ago continues to happen. Mayor Kwan wasn't the mayor when this person told me this. I had to deal with Mayor Kwan. So for all these people, and I love Casey Pratt, and I love Brody Brazil, and, yeah, we can all have fun with these random Twitter accounts who claim they know everything. What's the one I keep getting? Oakland Watch, Stadium Watch, Oakland. Yeah, say, Oakland Stadium Watch. Ah, oh, he's in the know. Same thing is happening that's always happened. We have an election. Is there a new mayor? Yeah. 
New City Council? Yeah. Do you see the trend? Deadline. There's deadlines. Deadlines. It's going to be 2023. Deadlines for 2022. Like I said, we'll be back on the air tomorrow. Anything? We'll be back on the air next week. You think anything? When we're at the winter meetings in December, do you think we're still going to have this conversation? Yeah. And how many times are all these people going to tweet? Until something eventually happens, They're probably. They're going to tweet all this stuff about all this stuff that you know. Yeah, check me in, check us in San Diego at the winter meetings. What, what, what? Checks, t- t- update us then what's happened because that'll be a month from now. And then I'll say the same thing in San Diego. Hey, you guys all said stuff was happening, and now we're in December. Is business getting done in December? Usually not. So then all of a sudden, man, we're going to be down in Arizona. And we're going to be a fantasy camp. Is everything going to be done by fantasy camp? No. Well, we're in 2023 now. Spring training's in March. I was watching Brody with uh, the potential mayor who's up for it. She's one of the favorites. I mean, we're going to be back to getting together, talking, negotiating. We got to educate everybody what's going on. All I know is this, for all you Twitter people out there and all you people who are covering it, because obviously our life's different from yours. We work for the team. Our livelihood depends on this. You people, it's fans. Get it? We love you. But you're fans. Your paycheck doesn't depend on this. It's a different. We got more skin in the game than you do, as they like to say. And I just lost my train of thought. You were talking about uh, us, our livelihoods more important. I know. What did I say before that? Um, you were talking about, let's see, this, city council, mayors, um, why, probably why it means more for us. I had a good point. I swear I had a good point. <laughs> now you know I'm getting older. Uh, yeah, that's, it, it, it means a lot to us. Oh, I got my point. I've dealt with this many times, right? I can tell you I started my career at KMBR with the Giants at Candlestick Park. I lived through this. These random Twitter accounts, you weren't around. Was Twitter around when the Giants moved into Pac Bell Park? Uh, it was not. You know who opened Pac Bell Park? The first official game at Pac Bell Park? against the Los Angeles Dodgers when Kevin Elster hit three home runs on opening day for the Dodgers to beat the Giants? Do you know who the first broadcaster ever, ever to broadcast an official game to broadcast out of that ballpark was? You? That was me on the Gary Radnich morning show. I opened the ballpark. Security had to let me in. Pitch dark. Nobody was there. Press box was empty. And I started the morning show on KMBR First ever time at Pac Bell Park. I've been around this a long time. And let me tell you something. You know why the Giants built their ballpark? One guy. Yeah, you could say Peter McGowan, and of course he saved the Giants and Larry Bear and that group. True. One guy is the reason they got that ballpark built. Do you know who I'm thinking of? And it's not fair to ask you, but I will ask you anyway on your birthday. Barry Bonds. No. Uh, and not Jim Harbaugh with a shovel and a sword. We will build Levi Stadium. Uh, if it was someone By the way, great to see Harbaugh. 
And great to see Coach McIntyre, San Jose State, after our great year, 11-2, and two, finished 20th in the country. They honored the team. Military Bowl win. Yeah, Co Coach Mack was there. That was cool. I'm wearing my Spartan gear today after a nice win on Saturday night. No, not Harbaugh, not McIntyre. Not, and not Barry Bonds. Not Barry Bonds either. Um, I'm not sure then. And I, Jerry Rice is not walking through that door either. Yeah. We either what about uh, what about Wilt? Not Gruden. What about Wilt or Rick Barry? I could not care less, Rick yeah. Barry. Yeah. No. Molly? It is a Willie. Willie and Mace? And it's not Willie Mace. Willie McCovey. Willie Brown. Oh, the former mayor. Willie Brown. Willie Brown made that thing happen, man. I, I lived through it. I was young in my career. We watched it. Radnich, Gary Radnich, God Rad uh, – no, he's not. He's still with us. But, you know, I hope he's having a, a, a great retirement. He earned it, had a, an unbelievable career. I learned so much working with Gary. Um, and during that time, Gary, God bless him, Gary doubted it the whole time. How are you going to – you know, he used to how are you going to fill that ballpark on a Monday night against the Expos? He was right, right? I mean, there wasn't even an Expos by the time. You know, they moved, they moved the team. But Gary used to say, well, you got nobody at Candlestick Park. Who's going to be going to this ballpark? Well, he ended up being wrong. But uh, he ended up being wrong. It was a big boom, but people believed. And those guys saved the team, Peter McGowan and his group. They saved the team from going to St. Petersburg because they could have been the St. Petersburg Giants. Could have been the San Jose Giants. They had two different votes in San Jose. A lot of you young A's fans probably don't even know that. That's how the whole territorial rights thing started. But in the end, somebody had to champion, and somebody had to make it happen, and that guy was Willie Brown. Because Mayor Willie Brown had one thing. He had juice. Willie Brown had juice, man. Willie Brown had juice at City Hall. Willie Brown had juice with the ports. Willie Brown had juice with Save the Bay. He had juice with everybody. That's how they built that thing. That's how you build. That's how you get it done. So it's November 1st. I'll stop talking about it. I just know that I've seen all this stuff, and, I, I, and I'm like, I mean, can, these, can, you, can you honestly take yourself seriously? It's November 1st. It's about to be 2023. And then everybody and, – and Bob Nightingale, I, I, I don't know why Bob did that. And I, I, I've, I've had Bob on the show for years. I love Bob. I, I, he, he was not right. Once you heard the audio, he was not right. But, I mean, we do all have to agree. I mean, we're about to be in 2023. I mean, we've, we've been dealing with this. I mean, it just, this doesn't go forever. It just doesn't go forever. And Dave Cavill, my God, Dave Cavill has gotten this thing further than anybody has ever gotten this thing. Further than the Raiders ever got, got with Mark Benane. What's his name with the Warriors who just went in the Hall of Fame? Rick Welts. Rick Welts, <clears throat> Rick Welts and the Warriors did nothing. Nothing. They were out of here. They didn't care. They blew a bunch of money trying to get the uh, part of the wharf where Larry Ellison, who at the time was, what, the second richest man in the world, Tried to get his Oracle stuff at that part of the wharf and couldn't get it done. They tried that spot. That didn't work. So then they tried their spot where they are now. I mean, Dave Cavill has gotten you. However you feel about Dave. Dave's a big boy. He can take it. However you feel about Dave. Dave has gotten this further than any club president 
in Oakland sports history. No one's gotten it this far. No one's gotten this many votes. No one's gone over this many hurdles. He's gotten it there. And I'm listening to these potential mayoral candidates. They don't sound, they sound like nice people. I watched the interview. They're politicians, so I wouldn't trust them as far as I can throw them. But they sound like good people. They sounded like they were nice, you know, they sensible people. But you need you need a champion to make to, to get these things to go. So I just want to say a lot of lots been said. I'm just looking at November first, twenty twenty two. Because the thing that matters to us is we need a ballpark. That's what matters. us as employees. We want a ball. We want a place now. I mean, if if you if you're able to travel, you understand. When you go up to Seattle, you go across the Bay to San Francisco, right? You can go to even the older, newer ones. You go to Baltimore. You go to Detroit. My buddy was just in town from Detroit. And when I was with the ball club in Detroit and got to bring him out, yeah, Tiger Stadium's awesome. Is this Silk America? Yeah, Silk America. And I'm pretty sure it still is. Yeah, it's awesome. Do we have Sparksy? Uh, two minutes. Yeah, Comerica still. It's awesome. It just oozes, and I mean oozes, Tigers and Tigers history. You know what? Not only us, but the, the Rays deserve the same thing. We need a new ballpark. And I, I – and, and – where we are, I, I don't know where we are. I, I, I really don't. And I think the people listening to people who are in the media and listening to people who are on Twitter is not the way to go, Ace fans. It's just not. It's, like, it's, almost like, it's almost like you want to hear people say nothing, right? Yeah. You want to sure. hear them say nothing. Well, I know I want to hear from a man, Steve Sparks, who's at the World Series. Sparksy, how are you? I'm dry. That's how I am. So, well, on camera, it looked like it was coming down in buckets. Was it that bad? You know, it started off like it was just constant, one of those nagging type uh, of drizzles, but it got heavier and heavier. And a couple hours later, one of the beat reporters for the Astros, uh, Brian McTaggart, he let us know that he was still at the ballpark and it was really pouring at that time. So they made a good decision. So when you think about another delay, I just, in your opinion, being around it, how do you th- how do you think this is, affects the Astros? How do you think it affects the Phillies? And is it good or bad? You know, we'll know later on. So you know, as an ex-player, you, you never think uh, the worst, or you shouldn't, because you're you're always going to try, try to take the positives out of it and, and try to get the most uh, out of your preparation, do whatever you need to do, but. You know, our job is to kind of analyze these things, and, and I think it, it helps Philly reset their their pitching a little bit to an extent, especially with that off day still in there. I thought when they were going to postpone that game, it was going to push it back three days, eliminate the off day, and play five days in a row. Then I thought it was really going to favor the Astros because their pitching depth uh, coming into this series was clearly uh, deeper than – in the Philadelphia Phillies, I thought. 
Well, I, I, I got to think for both guys going tonight, uh, especially after that, you know, the debacle of the champagne cork and Lance McCullers Jr., Ranger Suarez, yeah. who's already pitched. I got to think for both, at least for both the guys going tonight, I got to think another day's rest can't hurt. Well, I mean, you never want to, you know, think about a start all day long. You know, you wake up and you, you start to feel it in your stomach a little bit every time you pitch a major league game. And, and I can't even imagine what that's like in a World Series. So, you know, McCullers and Suarez were probably thinking about it all day, you know, counting on getting ready uh, from 9 or 10 o'clock whenever they woke up. So it's a little difficult in that, in that regard. So an extra day is okay, but you've already went through this uh, yesterday, and, and I don't think that's ever very helpful for anybody thinking about uh, a particular start this long. How odd has it been to watch Jose Altuve go through the drought, starting to come out of it, but, you know, what you've seen with this guy, his greatness, just how weird has this been? Yeah, you know what? Sometimes it's kind of weird in this sense, Chris. He's very sensitive to begin with. We know he's uh, the ultimate team guy. I mean, he he gets on the, the plane, and he might have a couple of bad games and he's generally very happy if the Astros win and he doesn't play well he's fine with that but I think for him in his mind he feels like he's letting the team down when he doesn't perform or get him off to a decent start probably one of the reasons why he didn't want that extra pressure of batting leadoff he's kind of fought that uh, for the last few years with Dusty Baker I, I just don't think he likes that added pressure of trying to get the team off to a good start because he doesn't want to let anybody down so for him, I think when he gets off to slow starts in particular or has these types of spells, it's a little bit, bit more difficult for him to snap out of it uh, just because he starts chasing hits and he starts leaving the strike zone so badly that uh, he really gets himself in trouble. He's got seven hits in the last three games, and, and usually when he does bust out and starts to relax, that's when he goes nine for 11, right? You've seen those games many times uh, in series in Oakland. He's just – He's a great bat-to-ball to skill uh, hitter. He's a 306 lifetimer. Uh, you know he's, he's ready to bust out at any time. But, you know, you get on this big stage, 0 for 25 is 0 for 25. Yeah, because when he's going good, he's like a mini Vladimir Guerrero. You can pitch it anywhere, inside, outside, up, right. down, and he smokes it. That's funny because he stands so far off the plate. Vladdy did too. Yeah. Stands so far off the plate, and he's so short to begin with, you think there is no way – he can cover that outside corner, but man, he, he can not only cover that outside corner, he can cover another four or five inches off that outside corner. He dives so much. So uh, he's got great plate coverage. Sometimes it gets in, in, in trouble diving toward home plate. He can get jammed and start to chase uh, a little bit, but I think he's coming out of it. Three hits in that last game is a great time for him. You know, we talked about this last show, and obviously with your expertise as a former pitcher, you can help explain this. Pitchers are able to read hitters in the box. If a guy stands up Mm -hmm. on the box, that means he likes it inside, doesn't like it away. Speaking of Altuve wanting to be back, maybe a guy will be up, maybe a guy will be back in a box. Just talk about as as a pitcher, when you see a guy, where he is in the batter's box tells you a lot about what kind of hitter he is and what he's looking for. Yeah, usually they'll tell you. So if they're getting real close to home plate, they don't like the ball away from them. That's why they're trying to get uh, closer to home play. So you want to pitch them away. Oddly enough, you think, well, I can get in inside, inside on this guy. 
No, that's where he likes it. He likes it inside. He's telling you he doesn't like it away. Same thing. If he's way off the plate, you can usually jam him because they're usually going to strike toward home plate. And that handle of the bat's going to be right along that inside corner or a little inside. So uh, the other thing is, is if the bat is pointing straight up in the air when he loads his hands, so when he makes his stride and his bat's pointing straight up, usually it makes a loop. That usually means he's a great low ball hitter. And consequently, think of Pete Rose as a flat ball, high ball hitter. If he would get down in that crouch, he wanted the ball to look a little higher, and he would lay his bat out flat. He liked the ball high. So there's a lot of different stances that will tell you, give you a little indication as a pitcher. And this is the thing that I always remember that Tom Seaver said. If he didn't know a hitter, he would always throw him a first pitch slider. That way he could see what his uh, plan was at the plate. If he could see that front shoulder, and you could see this out of the periphery of your vision, if he could see that front shoulder open just a little bit, he knew he was looking for a fastball in, so you could stay away from that type of hitter. That's interesting. Yeah, because back in that, you know, because you think of the great Tom Seaver, truly one of the uh, great pitchers of all time from Northern California, Fresno, went to USC. Yeah. You know, they didn't they didn't have the video back then. They didn't have great scouting reports. You kind of, you no. know, we always talked about in the old days, even when I first started getting into this, you know, pitchers and hitters kept their own books. Right, yeah. Yeah, you, you don't have to do that anymore. So that everything's on uh, – on a spreadsheet, you know, you can send it, uh, and guys are looking at things on their iPads, uh, on the planes, on the flights to, to scout the next next pitcher they're going to face the next day. They can check out tendencies, and they've got it all in front of them every day. They've got a little scouting report that they can go through in their hotel room uh, before every game. Now, obviously, Philly is no day at the beach in a lot of different ways. They're going to be rowdy tonight. Mm -hmm. They're going to be liquored up, but it's also going to be cold. It's going to be moist. It's going to be cold. How much does that, do you think, affect the players, or maybe doesn't at all? I, I think the grip, you know, sometimes I think about I think about pitching a hitter inside who doesn't like to get jammed in this type of weather. But it's actually unseasonably warm for this time of year in Philadelphia. It could be a lot worse. Yeah. So it is going to be damp. It's a little clammy, but uh, I think it's going to be in the mid-60s. And I think about, like, when the Astros come to Seattle and in Oakland during the course of the season, I've always felt it was a little bit of a, a nice little weather break for the Astros who live in that that nasty that climate that they, they have in the summertime in Houston to be able to, to kind of get to those easier, uh, nice climates this time type of year. It's kind of refreshing, especially for a pitcher. You know, Dan Iasonia is going to be behind home plate, and yeah. there's there's tendencies for umpires. They're human beings. He's known for a larger strike zone. I'm looking at the scouting report on him. Against, uh, for left-handed batters, the strike zone tends to be a little bit bigger, especially low in a way. Uh, do you think about that if you're a left-handed hitter, and how do you exploit – do you really try to exploit that as a pitcher? Well, that – that bodes well for McCullers, who's only thrown one fastball to a left-handed batter at, in 74 pitches this postseason. Wow. So it's, it's all cutters, it's sliders, it's curveballs, changes, everything else. But one fastball in 74 deliveries to a lefty so far this postseason. Really? So to, be able to, get a, yeah, to be able to get a little extra low and away and throw some backdoor breaking balls, I think that's advantage McCullers. Now, it just depends on – you know, what Rob Thompson wants to do with his lineup. But uh, uh, McCullers has reverse splits. He does a lot better against lefties, and that's a big reason for it. He just doesn't throw him fastballs. Is it crazy to you 
that velocity on average is 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 at an all-time high and yet we're throwing more breaking balls than fastballs it is but you see the data so guys guys want to get paid and, and fastballs are easier to hit especially two seam fastballs to left-handed batters we're starting to see this more and more and more that guys are staying away from the two seam fastball the sinker to left-handed hitters because it just kind of falls toward their barrel and that's the pitch that, that, that they get hurt on most. And they got this data in front of, front of them. And they're saying, why would we throw that pitch? It just doesn't make sense. Guys are hitting about 370 uh, with a big slugging percentage against the two-seam fastball. I'm just not going to go there. So uh, 95.3 miles per hour on average fastball so far this postseason. That's going to set a major league record. Yet you're right. They're throwing less than 50% fastball. So it is kind of head scratching, but guys are looking at the numbers. And they're looking at what doesn't get hit, and what doesn't get hit is something with a wrinkle. You know, I, I think about your career, the different organizations. Think about coming through the minors. How many guys did you play with, legitly, in your era? Average, not hit, but average, ninety-five miles an hour plus when they got out on the mound. Every once in a while, there was a closer who was averaging that kind of velocity. But just, I want to say it was 12 years ago that the average fastball velocity in the postseason was just a shade under 92. So it's risen, you know, three miles, more than three miles per hour in just in this dozen years right now. So uh, nobody did that. I mean, maybe the guns were a little bit different back then. There was the jugs gun uh, versus the radar gun. And sometimes those were a difference of three or four miles per hour. But to have you know, I'll just I'll pick the Astros, 1 through 13. I bet they average 96 miles per hour uh, among uh, their pitchers. You know, in this postseason, maybe a little bit more than that. So, uh, I don't I don't know where it's all coming from, but uh, guys are gassing <laughs> yeah. it up. I, I, you know what? I think we will see that start to go down a little bit, Chris, next year because of the, the pitch clock. I don't think you'll have enough time to recover to get that gas. Well, I'll tell you that a guy that you know well – so a buddy that I played with at San Jose State used to be the high school baseball coach for Jason Castro. And he had a bunch of guys that he coached uh, with Jason and other guys who got drafted, played D1 baseball. And he was like, man, back at that point, like it was rare that a high school pitcher threw 90. And now right. yeah, the, nobody did. Now you got every kid getting drafted throwing 95 plus. Like, how have human beings just changed so much to where velocity just hasn't crept up a little bit? It's just soared. Well, I mean, guys are learning how to train better for it. They they've learned better mechanics and learning how to spin the baseball to to get you another mile per hour. Just there's so many different little things that probably compute into that. Woody Williams is a buddy of mine who used to pitch for yeah. Toronto and the St. Louis Cardinals and San Diego. Those. He's the he's the uh, University of Texas uh, pitching coach now. And he was telling me he thinks that maybe processed food might have a little bit to do uh, with some of the, the extra velocity guys. Are throwing. Every guy that he was getting at junior college at San Jacinto here in Houston when he was there, he said every guy in junior college was coming in throwing 94 to 97 miles per hour. Wow. So something's different. Guys are learning different methods to, to get that velocity early on. And, you know, everybody's always talking about pick, you know, don't pick one sport, play as many sports as possible, which I, I am in favor of. But maybe the longevity will be there for some of these guys. 
But, you know, as far as lightning in a bottle, as far as throwing really hard for a short period of time, it is certainly in the tank. Let's uh, let's end on this. Uh, game three seems to be a pretty big deal. The game three winner uh, goes on yeah. to win basically 70% of the time. Why do you think game three is so crucial for both these teams, but especially for the Astros? Well, it's almost like the the one one count in baseball. You you either get up or you get down, and in the on base percentage flips about two hundred points uh, when you get ahead or, or you get behind. Some of it's psychological, I think, but some of it is the way you're able to manage uh, once you do get a lead in a series. And uh, I think Rob Thompson has been phenomenal so far. He's, he's had a sense of urgency. Uh, he's gotten you know his leverage relievers in there in the fifth inning when he's needed to. Uh, he's done, you know, six outs by his closer earlier in, in the postseason. He's just done some remarkable things, and I think you have to do that in the postseason. It's different. It's different from the regular season. You don't manage the same way. You know, the next day might be a ten nothing game, so nothing is, is written in stone on, on what you need to save for the next day. So I, I love the urgency, uh, but the, the two one deficit. I, I think it's more psychological than anything else uh, because there's still plenty to go after the third game. Uh, we always love doing the public health announcement. Actually, I'm getting a physical right after the uh, World Series with that blood is test. That, uh, is that sponsored by Kaiser Permanente? That is not sponsored by Kaiser Permanente, but it should be, for okay. God's sakes, all the it stuff I be. do for them. <laughs> what are they waiting on? What, what, what do I need to have for my blood test? Calcium score. So if you get blood work, you know, when you go see the doctor, yeah. get your calcium score. You know, hopefully it's close to zero, and that means that uh, your blood's rushing through there in your veins pretty good. But if you've got a high count, you know, the doctor will let you know that there might be some things that you can change uh, dietary and exercise-wise to uh, unclog those veins. And, and, you know, that's something that I wish, you know, a few years ago that I had, I had taken advantage of, but it's a calcium score when you get blood work done. By the way, we've been tuning in to you guys during the playoffs and the World Series, checking around how everybody sounds. Your broadcast sounds outstanding. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. You know, we, we, we prepare really hard, and, and hopefully uh, it shows. But uh, these games are fun. You know, and, uh, Robert and myself, uh, we've done, I think, close to 90 postseason games now yeah. since 2015. So it's been a good ride. And you're a rare breed. I mean, there's not a lot of guys who become really good play-by-play guys who were, were ex-players. Yeah, you know, that was something that, uh, you know, I didn't know I was going to get into. So they asked me when I interviewed uh, uh, for the job, I thought I was going to be an analyst. But a couple of days before we started, they say, get ready, you're going to do some play-by-play too. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been a, a long, hard road. And, and it's not as easy as, as core, Ken Korat makes it sound, but uh, it's fun. It's a, it's a great challenge. You are the best, my friend. Enjoy this World Series. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. The great Steve Sparks, the knuckleballer, former A. I was looking up all the teams he played for. Came up with the Brewers, then the Angels, then the Tigers. Tigers traded him to Oakland and then ended with the D-backs. He was on the that. knuckleballer. He was on that historically bad Detroit team, and thank God he got traded because he, he didn't have to finish the year in Detroit Ooh. there when they won 43 games. I don't think he was on many good teams. Well, the Angels weren't that bad. That 03 Ace team, he was there for – they were Yeah, good. they were in the play. He was in the playoffs. Yeah. The great Steve Sparks. Yeah, I mean, the fact that, you know, he has gone from play-by-play. I mean, p- 
pitcher to play-by-play guy. You know, not many. You see, I mean, you'll see it more in television. Dwayne Kuyper's done a great job with it. Um, Buck Martinez has done it. I'm trying to think who else has done. It. Rick Monday, the great Glenn Kuyper, huh? Glenn Kuyper, former player, not minor leaguer. <laughs> you got to be a big leaguer oh, to be on this list. Shots fired because he's not here now. I'll, it's, <laughs> I'll say it. Yeah, I'll say it to his face. I'm trying to think if there's any other guys that do play-by-play around the Let me think about it, around the league. Bob Euchre, Hall of Famer. Ken Hawk Harrelson. Oh, Hawk. I miss Hawk on the but broadcast. But there's not a lot. I mean, when you go through all the thousands and thousands and thousands of guys that have done play-by-play, TV or radio, but mostly radio, not many guys are ex-players. And, and Sparks sees money. Yeah. I, I love listening to him because he's got the great insight. And that's like, you know, talking to him – about like what he said with Tom Seaver, you know, pitchers, you've got to know, right? Even no matter what the scatting reports say or whatever, you got to know, you got to believe it. You got, you are always evaluating things with your eyes. So when Jose Altuve gets in there and he's standing way far back, how am I going to throw this guy? Right? Because obviously he's standing back because there's a reason. It's not because he's afraid he can't reach the ball on the outside. It's he's worried about the ball on the inside. The hitter tells you. Athletes, how they line up, how they prepare. Why do they put why do they put a wide receiver in the slot? Why do they put that slot wide receiver in motion? There's always a reason why they why where people line up, how they line up, how they move in the NBA. There's reasons why the big men line up on the low post. And there's a reason why certain guys are staying in certain parts. You know, he's a three-point shooter, but they know that he shoots better from certain points of the floor. So that's why they'll always have. If Clay Thompson is better at shooting threes from the baseline than he is the top of the key, guess where they're going to get him the ball more? Baseline. Boom. They know this, right? A hitter's going to get into the batter's box whether he's going to – like they talk about Mariano Rivera. I would st- I would get further up in the box because I don't want that – I want to give that cutter less time to cut. What would left-handers, they'll all tell you, against Mariano Rivera, they would back up. I mean, they try and stand outside the box because they don't want that – because that cutter's going to come right – I'm trying to give my hands here. The cutter's going to come right under – if I'm a left-handed hit – sorry about that. That's okay. Just a pen. If, if you're a left-handed hitter – and the ball's going to come under your hands, he's going to get you every time. You want to back up so now you can barrel it. You can at least get the barrel on that cutter. So you want to get – you want to – really, you want to get back and you want to get up in the box. You don't want to give it that time to cut. So – so and, and pitchers are the same thing. If I'm going to be on the far side of each side of the rubber, I'm telling you something as me as a pitcher. It happens in all of sports. I mentioned it in golf. If you line up on the right, so you got two two pegs in the ground is your tee box. You got to tee it up in between the two pegs. If I line up on the right, I'm trying to hit a fade. If I line up left, I'm trying to hit a draw. I mean, athletes tell you what they're trying to do by how they position themselves. And it's no different than pitching and hitting. It's the same thing. And it's fascinating. To listen to these guys talk because, you know, back in the day, Tom Seaver, Tom Seaver didn't come into the dugout and go, hey, where's that iPad? Yeah. Statcast is saying this about my slider. Where's the heat maps? And my fastball. Yeah, where, where, wait, here's, here. 
You want your heat maps? Look, I'm some bozo. How far are we away from Philadelphia? Uh, what, at least 3,000 miles, close to 3,000 miles. Why? Are you, I'm not from Pennsylvania. Well, you are. <clears throat> Philly's a little further away from Pittsburgh, so it's about 3,000. I'll see right now. San Jose to Philly is 2,907 miles that we drove right now from here. Take us 43. We'd get there for game five. 43 hours if we drive straight. We'd get there for game five. <laughs> Can you imagine? I've done that drive. Well, from Pittsburgh to here, I did it. We got to go through Nevada, Utah, Wyoming. Now we're just we're going off this map. It, there might be a faster you, way. You, yeah, you could do you can do eighty. I took seventy, so seventy. We're just going to go off this map, right? We're going to go through California, obviously, Nevada, Utah, Wyoming. Kind of looks like we hit Colorado, Nebraska on the border. We're going to definitely be in Nebraska, maybe a little bit in Kansas too. Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio. Ohio down into Philly. You might even cross into West Virginia a little bit. I don't know. I can't really tell. <clears throat> when I did it, I went down. So I went down through West Virginia, Indiana, Missouri. I took the southern route. So I went through this way, through Colorado, Utah, Nevada, then hit. Because I was going south and went back up. You know, you might say, hey, doing a, cro- doing a trip around the country. Because I think I'm a person that's been to a, a, most of the states in our country. But there's certain reasons, like, I've never been to Arkansas. I've never been to no, – I've been to – Have you been to Wyoming? No. Boy, hey, we can go see Boise State or Laramie in, in like a it's, Wyoming like, place. I've never been to Idaho, Wyoming, or South Dakota. But I've been to Wisconsin. I've been to Minnesota, Illinois, Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, Utah. I've done all that. New Mexico, Arizona, Oklahoma, Texas. I've been to Mississippi. I've been to Tennessee. I've done to Carolina. See, I've done most stuff that there's Georgia. a few that I haven't done. Georgia? Been to Georgia. I was just at the Masters. Oh, yeah, that's right. Augusta. I was at Augusta. I was at the greatest place in the world in Georgia. Been to Atlanta. South Carolina. I was just playing golf in South Carolina. I'm Charleston? Right. I'm like, I'm like uh, Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man. Yeah, uh, Savannah's a beautiful town. My aunt Johnny lives. Cash makes him a little John Gruden, man. To your Raiders, by the way. Nothing's wrong. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing's wrong. I even got Raiders sweats on today, folks. There's nothing wrong. Silver and black were fine. So, everything's fine. Mark Davis came out. Everything's fine. Second time he's met with Josh McDaniel. Someone had a good tweet today. Uh, Don't believe this Twitter stuff. I'm telling you. <laughs> no, no, it was a joke. Uh, Bill Belichick sent Josh McDaniels to, to, to sabotage the Raiders organization. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what Elon Musk needs to do. He needs to stop all these people talking about Howard Terminal. Do you think Elon's going to think that's one of the biggest things he has to figure out? No, but it might take away. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm not paying to keep the verification check on Twitter once this happens. They took mine away. I've been banned off Twitter now since 2019. Would, would you pay $20 a month to keep, stay verified on Twitter? I, I have not had my Twitter. Is it 2019 I got banned? Uh, no, it was last year, I thought. No, 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 no. Uh, I, co- at least during COVID. Okay, so at least two years. Yeah, yeah, I have not. They basically locked me out of my account. Well, you might be able to get back, though. And they told me that they can't. Pr- I can't prove that I'm me. <laughs> they took my blue check mark away. They zapped. It says I'm following. If you go to, to at Townsend Radio, it says I'm following zero people. I've reached out to them. They keep giving me the excuse 
they they basically have told me go get another account. So I went and got another account that I just use to follow people. Yeah. Uh, once they take away my blue check mark because I'm not paying two hundred and forty dollars a year to keep us. Is that stupid, what it is? It's twenty dollars a month, so times twelve is two forty. I'm good. There's other things I can spend that two hundred and forty dollars on instead of having a stupid check mark. Well, I'm not tweeting any breaking news anyway. The best was someone said, wait till the MLB trade deadline when all these fake users with check marks are tweeting up uh, trade deadline news and nobody knows who's right or wrong. The world will crumble. Yeah. Well, it's, that's where a lot of us like producers and stuff get our news from anymore. We don't turn on the television to watch SportsCenter or you know CNN or NBC or, or MSNBC or Fox. We read everything on Twitter. I mean, it's what I do. I thought of something today. Well, I was up on my ladder. Permission to get political? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's dicey. This is real political. Um, we need to figure out a way here in the great state of California to, uh, when the water falls from the sky, to keep it and use it. Right? Like my gutters with leaves in it have figured out a way to trap water <laughs> and, to, and, to, and the water stays there. My gutters right now, right outside where we are right now. I, I as when, when you pulled up, what was I doing today? Uh, you're on a ladder cleaning out the your gutters. The leaves keep the water in the gutter, so my gutters are able to retain water. That if you did that correctly, you could then turn that into drinking water. Fact. And there is a gutter that I wasn't able to get to yet that I'm gonna have to get to, where literally the gutter wants to burst off the side of my house. Uh, maybe we should think in California, probably one of the most important things to think about, and I doubt it's on any of the ballots, is how do we get water and save it when it falls from the sky when it does? And when the snow happens, how do we make sure all the melting snow goes somewhere you, that we fill up reservoirs and make more reservoirs? You've got a better chance of right now of the snow happening than the rain right, anymore. I saw a thing on um, Instagram a few weeks ago from the, uh, I think it was the Weather Channel. So it's a, a pretty big, you know, follow our Instagram account, that Kalinga can run out of water by the end of December. Kalinga. So down in the Central Valley yeah. where a lot of farming oh, happens. Oh, yeah, yeah, but we're not going to be able to have cars that run on gas by – they won't be able to sell them. Well, folks – 2035. Whether, 12, whether you have an electric car – human beings have lived without cars, right? Yeah, true. Human beings have lived without cars. Uh, we can't live without water. Maybe we should focus less – on how cars run and figure out how we're going to keep water. If my gutters can figure out how to keep the water, why can't we? Very true. Real quick before we get to Anthony Anthony Castro, Vince, you were talking about Altuve. Um, since the uh, 0 for 25 start, he's now 6 for 15. That's a 400 batting average. I think he's starting to figure it out at the plate, and you know that's a big that's a big plus for the Astros. As Sparks, he told us he doesn't like to bat lead off the. He doesn't want to let the team down, but he's starting to hit the ball a lot better. But a problem maybe is Jordan Alvarez four for his last twenty-eight. So as other, so that's the thing about postseason baseball. As some guys start to get hot, other guys start to get cold. How about this? Like one of the tips, I think it's an Anthony's uh, article today. When's Bryce Harper going to have yep. his moment? Yeah. All right, let's go. Coming up next, Anthony Castrovince from NLB.com right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place. 
for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. I'll tell you what. Players sitting around a hotel room. You know, you go practice. Because they all got BP in yesterday before the rain came down. Both teams got it, right? I believe so. I, I know I saw the Astros hit. I saw Syndergaard thrown in the outfield. So, you get a little workout in. I mean, you can't go to dinner. Can you? Can you really go out like if you're an Astro and really go out for a dinner? Well, do you, you see what Verlander did yesterday? No. Verlander arrived at the uh, – the Astros arrived at the ballpark. Oh, and flipping them off. Flipping them off because apparently Philly fans were giving him a Philly, re, Philly uh, salute. Re, salute, and yeah. he decided to salute them back. Yeah, no problem. But, I mean, can you really go to dinner? Can you really be like, you know, Ralph's, the, the place I went to, that famous Italian place? Jason Stark gave us the uh, gave us the uh, recommendation. If you're ever in Philly, Ralph's, it's old school. It's where the mob used to eat. It's You, you feel like there's going to be a mob hit when you're eating in there. It's awesome. It's in the old <laughs> Italian part of uh, – <laughs> I swear. I mean, they've got – They've got the uh, – on the menu at Ralph's in Philly, they have the history of how the mob would eat there. And so when you're there, I mean, it's old. I mean, it's an old Italian part. The streets are real small. Anthony, how are you? Welcome back to Ace Cast Live. What's up? How are you guys doing? Well, I was just talking about it where, you know, you're in Philly. Like, if you're an Astro, you really can't go out to dinner. It's the World Series. It's raining. <laughs> You've worked out. I mean, I got to think for the yeah. players, this is – you know, for us, it's like, okay, you reset. There's no Monday night football tonight. We got baseball by itself. But for the players sitting around, this has to be miserable. Yeah, that's not what you want. Uh, I think the Astros in particular have done a lot of sitting around this month. You know, they've they've played, uh, what, nine games uh, since the end of the regular season. So not uh, optimal baseball schedule. Um, but you just hang with it and I Part of their part of that is being victims of your own success, right? Where they they got through the first two rounds pretty quickly, uh, but then uh, of course rain intervened last night. Yeah, and game three is so huge. I mean, it, it, you know, we're we're a game now that we look so much at numbers and percentages. The game three winner really has a leg up, and it doesn't matter if you're on the road or at home. Yeah, you're right. Uh, history shows that, and this is a big swing game. Um, and I, again, I, particularly off of what we just came off of with the, with the two days off. So, you know, both bullpens are, are ready to rock uh, whatever is needed. And, um, you know, I, it's a fascinating situation last night because your mind quickly goes to who benefits from this because somebody usually does, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty clear case for the Phillies. Now, baseball will surprise you. And just when you assume something, you know, the opposite will happen. But, um, I mean, when you look at the way the pitching lines up for them now, um, you're supposed to have Noah Syndergaard in game three. Instead, they'll have him in game five. 
and that will be preceding an off day, which, you know, if you have the short lease with Noah Syndergaard, you have the full bullpen at your disposal or, you know, whoever's available that day can, can go all out because you have the off day the next day. Uh, Rangers Suarez now in game three and then fully rested instead of short rest for a, a potential game seven. Um, and you give Wheeler an extra day of rest, which looks like he needs. Um, so it just, it just works out really well for them. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, at this point, there's no excuses, right? There's, there's going to be plenty of rest. Everybody's ready to go. Uh, Philly in the past, I don't know what it means when we start talking about in years past how good the edge has been for the Phillies at the bank. They've been pretty dominant. But do, do you think how good the Astros have been, and they've won so many postseason games, including World Series games on the road, is there really that much of an advantage, of home field advantage in, in this series right now for the Phillies? Well, I think it, it definitely pumps them up, but you're right. I mean, the Astros, have, they've seen and heard it all in the last couple of years, um, you know, with the sign-stealing scandal. And, and maybe that died down a little, like – maybe the wrath wasn't as bad as if we had had fans in the stands in the full 2020 season, you know, coming immediately off of that, that scandal. But, um, but they, they, they've heard a lot, you know, and, and these guys have shown that they can play in tough environments and Yankee stadium and whatnot, but, um, but it will be a great atmosphere, you know, and it would have been last night on Halloween, which would have been uh, especially freaky uh, environment in Philly, but you know, there, there's a lot of uh, pent up and enthusiasm and, and, and the way that the Phillies have gotten to this point, has really swept up the city in a meaningful way. Um, not that it wouldn't have been if they had been widely expected to do this and, and did it anyway, but um, I, I think there's something to be said for kind of catching people by surprise and, and, and the way people get swept up in that sort of storyline um, is a beautiful thing. You know by the way, uh, I was looking for this stat when you mentioned it earlier because I knew it was in here somewhere. Here it is. Six, so when it's a 1-1 series, game three, the winner of game three goes on to win the world series 67.2 percent of the time historically so there you go yeah there you go i mean i mean that's uh, you look at that percentage that's huge and you know what i was passing out candy with my kids and doing the halloween thing last night kept my eye on monday night football so I, if you would have had halloween in philly for this game i didn't even think about that that would have been crazy <laughs> Yeah, we've we've been fortunate uh, or unfortunate if you're like me and have young kids and want want to be home with them like you were. But yeah, we have had a few Halloween games uh, in recent years, and yeah, that would have been quite an atmosphere. But the rain did not cooperate. I'm I'm sure the Revelers still had a good time uh, in the streets of Philadelphia, uh, despite the lack of a ball game. I decided to just take it back to the hotel, but I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of good times to be had. Well, it's been said on MLB.com today. I think. Uh... I, well, I don't think it was your article, but you're mentioned or you have one of your articles, a part of it. Uh, Will Leach, who said, are we finally in this series? It's hard to say finally. We're just going to be in our third game. Is this when we get the Bryce Harper moment? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it could be. He's due, right? Um, and we say that knowing he just had one of the hugest moments in Philly's history, like, uh, you know, a little over a week ago. But <laughs> he uh, he feels due. Um you know, that's the thing about this Phillies lineup is they, they can hit good pitching. You know, it's not just like, you know, guys just capitalizing on, on meatball mistakes from, from uh, you know, the, the sixth reliever. I mean, they, they can really hit really good pitching. I think we've seen that already this series. So, um, but yeah, Bryce is, uh, I think he's just in a really good state of mind um, with, you know, where he's at in his career and his legacy now. He's, he's built a legacy here, which is a really hard thing to do for a free agent. He was a young free agent, so he had a lot of games in front of him. But 
you know, you, sp- you sign that huge contract and that's a lot of pressure to live up to. But um, I really like the way he went about it from day one, just really embracing, you know, Philadelphia um, going out of his way to, to uh, endear himself to the fans. And he's already had some big moments for the Phillies and, and none bigger, of course, than the, uh, than the NLCS clincher. So, um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it does feel like he's, he's going to have some say in this thing eventually. You know, you, you, you said it correctly. You know, when you're a free agent, people just look at you as dollar signs. They know the years. Yeah. They know the number. They know the average per year. It's very rare in the history of baseball that a guy ends up becoming like the franchise guy. Out here, we saw it with Barry Bonds. He was actually from the Bay Area, so when he came as a free agent, mm-hmm. they kind of took him in. I think Maddox did a good job with that in Atlanta. Uh, there's just, But there's a lot of free agents that you end up signing that big deal, and there's never that. You don't have that equity and that love in the bank like when you're brought mm-hmm. up as a rookie and you go through the system. So, yeah, I think there is something special going on with Bryce because to me, Bryce Harper, and I don't know if you've talked about this at all, you know, the fact that he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, he's kind of like our mini version of LeBron James. Yeah, no, he really is. And, and you know, I give him a lot of credit because there, there's a certain fans who will always have a backlash against Bryce Harper because the way he was, I don't know, I, I guess shoved in their face at a young age and they didn't like that, you know, or, or they, they felt like he was a hot dog. But I, this guy has a real respect for the history of the game um, and his standing within it. And this is on top of being an obviously gifted player. Um, you know, it's been a struggle at times for him because he dealt with, you know, injuries have been a big part of his story and his career. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, you take the 30,000 foot view of his career, he's on a hall of fame trajectory. He's, he's had, you know, the kind of career you hoped he would have when he was on that sports illustrated cover. I think it said something about, I can't remember the wording exactly, but 600 foot home runs or something crazy. He has hit one of those, but, um, he's had a really good career and um and again he's in a place where he just seems really comfortable here he had a rough year this year uh battling through the injuries and wasn't able to play the field limited the dh because the elbow thing that that probably needs surgery and uh and then the thumb issue he was really struggling and when he came back from that for the last six weeks of the season but he just kicked it into gear for the postseason yeah and he has and the moments i mean there's something about when the star player is all about the city, all about the team. Yeah. He's not playing me, me, me. There's just, especially in today's sports, isn't it something special not only for the fans, but someone like yourself to cover? It's really refreshing. It is. Um, you know, guys, guys chase the money. I mean, he, and he did the same. He took the biggest offer. Like, yeah. Let's be clear about that. Um, but some guys instantly regret that. You know, they they get to a place and it's just different than what they're used to or just you know again the pressure gets to them um but again he took ownership of this right away and it's not like he was unfamiliar with philly having played here you know you know three times a year uh with the nationals um and he knows that this is this is a tough town you know this is a, a tough fan base and you gotta you you win them over with how you perform basically and he set out to do that from the very beginning um and, and again, adopting things like, you know, wearing the Philly Fanatics cleats, you know, uh, or, or the headband and, um, you know, pointing to the word Phillies on his chest. I mean, some people view that kind of stuff as just pandering to the crowd, but I, I think he's pretty earnest about it. And I've heard from people around here that, you know, when they tell him, 
oh, you're the first Phillies player to do X since this guy. Well, he wants to know about that guy. You know, he, he wants to know that guy's story. Um, so he's not just, you know, caught up in his own thing. He, he really has adopted what it means to be a part of this franchise. You know, we love warm and fuzzy and lovable stories. That's what we love as sports fans in the end. As much as we like the hate on Twitter, we like the warm and fuzzy too. And sometimes, you know, especially like for us, we're, we're selling different teams or selling a World Series. And like what you just said there, Bryce Harper, you can sell that. You can sell Schwarber. There's a lot of different things. We just had the Nola brothers competing against each other. Is there any way right now? to sell the Houston Astros no matter what as warm and fuzzy and a lovable story? Oh man. Uh, that's, that's tough. I mean, Dusty Baker is, is the, and that's one reason why they brought him in, right. was to, to soften that edge right away uh, in 2020. Um, and Dusty can do that because Dusty's an easy guy to love. Um, especially those of us, you know, in and around the game. I mean, yeah. The guy's had just an amazing baseball life. He's had an amazing life in general. And then people he's rubbed elbows with, the stories he has. Um, and he's had, you know, I think with or without a World Series ring, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, when you take, the, especially when you take the totality of his baseball life, I think that means something. Uh, but also, you know, 2,000 plus wins as a manager, first black manager to do that. Um, he's on a, a very short list of guys to have done that. And all the other ones are in the Hall of Fame, so he should be as well. Um, but I know, I recognize that some people will, uh, you know, want him to get that ring to have that particular achievement. But um, so there's that, you know, there's, there's the dusty storyline. Um, you know, I don't have a lot else for you beyond that. I think Justin Verlander has had a truly, you know, mesmerizing year to come back from Tommy John at age 39 and have the season he's had. Um, but, you know, but then you have the, but the world series struggles are all anybody wants to talk about right now because he's yet to win a game in the world series in his career. Um, but yeah, warm and fuzzy and the Astros don't seem to go together generally. People are, even though 80% of that 2017 roster is gone, um, that just hangs, it still hangs over the franchise in, in a meaningful way amongst certain fans. I don't know that it should, but I, but uh, on the other hand, I, I do get it because that was so egregious, you know, the, the, the lengths that they went to to cheat. Um, but you know, most of those guys are long since gone. You know, uh, let's end on this. Jane, we, we got the story. The Houston Chronicle had it. It was kind of like, what? What's really going on when they you looked at the owner of the Astros, the GM of the Astros, and you start thinking Crane's got to be crazy if he's thinking he doesn't like James Click or what? I mean, there was the relationship mm -hmm. might not be good. The Astros may have to win the World Series for Click to uh, keep his job. Haven't heard much since before game one. You've been around it. You've been around the Houston team, around the Houston media. Have you? Has this come up at all anymore, or is this kind of a dead story? Oh no, it's it's a story, and it could be a really interesting story if they win the World Series and still make changes. Wow, <laughs> which is that's possible. It could happen. Um, you know, from what you hear, it just it just sounds like there's somewhat of a disconnect there between the uh, you know Crane and Click in that. Um, you know, click is more methodical and, and crane is more the splashier moves, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, it's hard to argue. I mean, click inherited, obviously a tremendous framework here, right? It's not just what they had at the major league level. It's also, you know, what they had down below, um, with a really good system, really good scouting. Um, but he's, you know, he's made good moves and in, in the bullpen, especially, um, but he hasn't, 
you know, there's nothing you look at this team where you go, oh, that's that's a signature like James Click move. It's, it's more about like like let's let's guide this ship in the right direction, you know. Um, and then Dusty, you know, Dusty's got to be near the end of the line. He's talking about if he wins one, he wants to win two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's he's not Click's guy. It's not like they've ever worked together prior to this. So it, it is a it's a very interesting situation. I'll just put it that way. And uh, a lot of us will be very curious to see how it pans out, win or lose. I don't think it's necessarily a thing where, um, you know, they win and everybody stays and everybody's happy. There there still might be some changes there, even if they win. So that would be, I don't know. I don't know if that's unprecedented. I'd have to think off, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but it would be unusual. That's for sure. All right. Before I sell one of my favorite baseball books, which is yours, do you have anything new coming out that you want to promote? Oh man, I'm just so locked into the series right now. Um, I'm, I'm just writing the, the nightly, uh, you know, recap um, from this World Series and uh, everything within that. But no, nothing uh, on the book front. But uh, as usual, got some features in the hopper for the offseason. My, my main focus right now is these rule changes that are um, coming into MLB next year, which are going to be kind of interesting and exciting in some ways. Interesting in some ways. See how they turn out, but it. Uh, we'll have a lot of content related to that this offseason. Well, let me sell some books for you because I think for baseball fans, we're always looking like at this time of the year, what do we want to give somebody for Christmas, for the holidays, yeah. Hanukkah? You're yeah. like, what is, what's a good gift? And I know, I know they're a big baseball fan. I have in my hand your book, A Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics, Why War, Whip, Woba, and Other Advanced Sabermetrics Are Essential to Understanding Modern Baseball. I love this book because you explain the metrics. You don't browbeat people about it. You don't try and make people seem like they're inferior that they don't understand. You want to teach them. you got to censor humor about it. I think this is a great book for all baseball fans. I'm looking at Amazon right now. Amazon, you can get it paperback sixteen six eighty eight. They can deliver it within two days. So if anybody's looking for a really good uh, Christmas gift for a baseball fan, your your book, A Fan's Guide to Baseball Analytics, I think is perfect. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it was it was written for because I, I didn't come into baseball from a nerdy perspective, and I didn't really understand a lot of those numbers when I started to have to write about them. I had to learn it all as, as it became more and more prevalent and more and more important in our coverage. Um, so that's who I wrote it for people like me who are trying to get a grasp on these things and um, you know, perfect for, for sons yeah. and daughters to buy for their fathers and mothers. Really that's, that's kind of the target is because uh, there is an audience that, you know, still doesn't comprehend all this stuff and, and could use it a, a better explanation than some of the ones that are out there. They're a little wonky and, and hard to follow. And wouldn't you agree? It's about how you explain it. Cause a lot of people don't yeah. like, they don't want equations that cause that's right. what, that's what yep. all these things are. They're math equations. And it really, though I, I think the problem with the original Sabre community and Sabre metrics was it wasn't presented correctly 
to the fans. It's kind of like, if you don't understand this, you don't understand modern-day baseball, and you're just dumb. And that's not a great sales pitch. I think the way you've done it is a much better, hey, listen, this is another way to look at the game. This is another way to enjoy the game. This is how other people are interpreting the game. Why not read this and learn the other side? Because both just being a fan and being someone that's into 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 analytics, you you can be, you you can you can merge both of them and enjoy the base the game of baseball. Yeah, so you can be a very smart person and but also a very bad teacher, right? Not everyone is good at teaching. Yes, um, because sometimes it's the worst feeling, right? Not I'm not just talking about in stats or anything, but just in general in life, where you don't understand something and then you ask for help or some kind of explanation about it. And the explanation, you're still confused, even the explanation, you know, that's the worst. And I think that's what happened with most coverage um, when it comes to sabermetrics. I think there was a lot of, like, talking down to people, like you're saying, and or, or explaining it in a super technical way that, that didn't, you know, make it any easier to embrace or understand. So that's why I wrote this book, um, is, is to make it easier and more embraceable and more adaptable and, and funny, you know, and just have some fun with it. Because at the end of the day, it's still, it's still a sport, and we're talking about sports, stats these are not you know this is not the end of the world this is not a high level important stuff this is uh it's supposed to be a fun game and i i try to show that you know, i think there's a perception that you know these newfangled numbers are taking the fun out of the game uh, the game is still very fun and I, I think these numbers can give you a even greater appreciation for how fun it is well i'll tell you what we 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 have a lot of writers on. We talk a lot of a, a lot about different books for baseball, but I love promoting your book because I think it's good for everybody. So uh, continued success. We'll be reading you MLB.com and enjoy the rest of the series. All right. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me. Anthony Castrovents does a great job covering Major League Baseball. I'd say he's one of our favorites. Yeah, I mean, we've had him on for a while, then when he wrote the book. I Here's the book right here. It's It's really – you haven't read it. I read some of it. Yeah, it's it's I mean, really good. I bought the book, and then I read some of it, and then you wanted to read it. so And then I took it. Yeah. And I haven't given it back. Yeah, I don't expect to get it back, so it's okay. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> maybe I'll give it to you for Christmas. Maybe you, can, maybe you can re-gift it to me for, wait for it, my birthday next year. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I totally forgot it was your birthday. Uh, but the cool thing is, is that, like, for instance, fielding independent pitching. He but, talks about what is it. You mean at- you mean FPIP, which is right here on my shirt? Not X. This is just fielding oh, independent not, pitching. Not XFIP, not expected fielding independent and pitching. And X changes it. So what is it? It's and he, and he always has a joke for it. It's not feline infectious pernitis. <laughs> then it shows you how is it calculated. Well, all these analytics, I don't know if you guys can see it, but they're all math equations. You can never get away from that. They're actual math equations. You take home runs times 13 plus what plus three times walks plus hit by pitches minus two times strikeouts divided by innings. They're all equations. That's why for me with analytics, I'm like, okay, I don't want to know about all that. I don't care. I, I don't care how you came to it. I don't care how Bill James or whatever guy came up with this random ass math equation (laughs) don't know don't care tell me why it's important and then i'll decide whether i agree or not because obviously not all of them work and not all of them are relevant some end up being like we have now in our sport 
everybody's going to tell you that weighted runs created. It comes off runs created. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes weighted runs created plus has now become the one that everybody likes, especially for offensive guys. Right? Correct. But it originally was runs created, which makes sense because it tells you how a player creates the number one thing you need to do to win games. What do you need to do to win games? Score runs. You got to score runs. So runs created, and now they just build upon that. We can all get our arms around that. This guy, weighted runs created plus, tells us that a guy generates a lot of runs. That's pretty simple. Who do you think was number one in baseball this year? Let me get. I'm going to take a wild guess here. He wasn't on the A's. Uh, <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Okay. Um, well, I'll do this. I'll play your game, who's number one this year, and then you'll play my game. And they're both pretty simple, right? Because it's obviously – I have no – I haven't looked at it, right? I have not looked at this no. list, and I'm not looking at your computer. I would bet every dime I have – I bet my kid's college fund that the number one weighted runs created plus is the guy that hit 62 home runs. That is correct. That would be Aaron Judge with 207. I didn't need to look at the list, and I could have told you that. Can you round up the top five? I would say Jordan's on there. He's number two. Huh? Um, I want to get to mine, though. Who's number one all time? Now, this is Babe Ruth. all the players. Over 20,000 players, all the offensive players. Who's number one all time? And wait, not 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 your old metric, not, not your old man numbers, not your old. <laughs> weighted runs created plus. That would be George Herman Ruth. Funny how in this book, it kind of make it kind of makes fun of some saber metrics because it's like, huh, you guys came up with all these metrics to prove that the old guys, ah, they're old guys, and you just want your batting average. Babe Ruth's number one still in everything. He's number one in rated runs created plus. He's number one in OPS. He's number one in OPS plus. He's number one in all of them. He was a pretty good player. No matter what metric you have. No one was a better player than Babe Ruth. I understand I understand he played at a different era, different time. Life was different. But if you want to just throw numbers out there, nobody was better than Babe. No, and here's, here's your top five. Judge, Jordan, Paul Goldschmidt. Ah, Goldie. Jose be- Altuve and Freddie Freeman. Those are your top five. I would say every one of those guys gets all gets legit. Well, Goldschmidt will be the Nat. It's the league MVP, yeah. right? Um, the guys in the top three for M- for MVP are are Goldschmidt, I don't, I don't, I don't think Altuve gets votes. No, no, I'm saying the three guys that are going to be in the National say League. Four out of five. Freddie Freeman yeah. will because Freddie Freeman didn't win the batting. He title won the batting title, and so Freddie Freeman will get MVP votes. Yeah, number six and seven were Machado and Arenado, who also will get MVP votes. Yeah, there you go. The only guy that won is Altuve, but. He still had a pretty good year. Hit three hundred. Hit twenty eight. Hit twenty eight home runs. Yeah, hey, a good year. He's just not gonna register. By the way, talk about why I'm over Twitter. Oh, Arenado's opting out. Now he's opting, opting in. in. <laughs> where, where are we? Is he in or is he out? Is anything official? It's it's official. He's coming back. There's a couple things. That how are do official. we know? I want to know how it's official. Um, I don't want to. I don't want somebody on Twitter. Did the Cardinals or Arenado agent? Make it official. Let's see. I think it was Katie Wu, our friend from the Athletic, who did it. Uh, Once again, reported it. That's a third party. Is there anybody who's not a third party that said he has not? 
opted out or opted in. Uh, I don't I don't follow the Cardinals Twitter page, so but like ESPN has it. Katie Wu had it from the Athletic, who covers the Cardinals. All third parties. Yeah. Who had that he didn't that he was opting out. Now he's opting in. There is a couple bits of news real quick before Roxy comes on. Uh, Pujols right. officially signed his retirement papers, so he's done as of now. That would have been rough. Uh, as of now, he's done. Uh, new White, managers. White Sox have a new manager. Uh, Pedro, I'm going to butcher his last name, Griffal. Griffal? Griffal, maybe. He was a former bench coach. Oh, he was the bench coach of the, of the Royals. Who? Took over for Tony La Russa and Miguel Cairo when the White Sox finished 81-81. and 81. Supposedly he blew them away. And then the Royals hired – Ray's bench coach, Matt Cotaro, to be the new manager. Who? Yeah, so two bench coaches got the job. All right. So there you go. There's your new. And you know what? Two base, two two baseball guys. Yeah, two get, guys. Get, that... Getting an opportunity. Now, we've seen it go one of two ways. Brilliant careers or, you know, there's been plenty of, of guys that have we've been known as good baseball men. Who go in there? I don't know their ages. Do you know their ages? Uh, I think Kotaro is forty-eight, and I think Grafal is fifty-one. Okay, so they're not young. The younger guys like Green in San Diego went in Whoa, there. Whoa! Well, don't don't forget our don't forget act, our guy Jace Tingler. Acted like he knew everything. Some guys have acted like they know everything, and they go in there and they're a dud. Yeah, the other guy that's getting uh, I think Carlos Mendoza, the Yankees bench coach, was interviewed. I guess Wash was a candidate. Ozzie Guillen, this is all for Chicago. Awesome. And, and apparently uh, Joe Espada, the bench coach of the Astros, isn't getting these jobs. Is he waiting to see what's happening with Dusty? Are they just going to give it to him if Dusty steps down after they win or lose the World Series? I can't imagine Dusty Baker coming back. I don't know. He's only 73, 73 years young. Bochy's 67. If you're going to get rid of James Click, your general manager, I don't see how – I don't see how – but Dusty – well, I mean, if they win and Dusty wants to do it another year, maybe. Remember, he he did say, and Anthony's right, I heard the quote, if he wins one, he wants to win two. That's how he wants to go out. So, so t- t- tough, to, t- tough to tell a guy who just won a World Series to get out. Do we have Roxy? Hi, Roxy. Hi, Uncle Townie. How are you? Just wearing my Spartan gear today. Why is today different than any other day? Uh, well, actually, before the show, I had gutter problems. So this was a uh, – this was this was the hat and the sweatshirt that I wore to the game on Saturday night, and they happened to be in my living room and had to make a quick costume change to go from the gutter cleaner to the show. So uh, we've got all Spartans today. And you saw winner on Saturday night. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna politically correct say it was a nice victory. It was. I mean, they've been. You're, those kids have been through so much yeah. in the last week and a half, and. I'm ecstatic for the program, uh, for Brent. Just everybody involved, that the emotions had to be just running and overflowing on Saturday night, considering the tragic loss that they suffered, and somehow they were able to piece it together and go out there, and they fought back. They were down. They came back and got the win. And Down all game. Performance. Down all game. Yeah. And we're 20 half – 24-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah, but they're 18- and 22-year-old kids, Chris. You know this. Cody, you know this, right? They're dealing with emotions, and many of them probably haven't experienced anything like this, and hopefully they haven't. But now that they've gone through it, I think it, it was certainly draining. Um, and just I can't imagine what they were – with just they were going through – just the horrific loss that they suffered. What do you got, Cody? 
I went to, I pulled off the rare uh, double dip rocks. I was able to do Cal I, and and San Jose State, but, but the the Cal game. I mean, oh, that was a great game, Cal it, it Oregon. Was. I mean, you, I mean, you got to think Cal bringing Oregon into their house and that beautiful <laughs> stadium that isn't paid F- off. FTX uh, Stadium. It's, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. How'd you guys do on Saturday, Rox? The Bears didn't win, Chris. I, oh. I don't know if you paid attention to no, it. No, I did not. I, I was in World Series San Jose State mode. I just didn't have time to know what was happening at, was it Memorial Stadium back uh, in the day? It's, well, it's FTX Stadium now. Uh, no, it was FTX Field. Field at Memorial at Stadium. Memorial Stadium. Okay, so we'd have and I, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, you, you, oh. Did, you did Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, right? Rocky wow. Top is back, baby. I love it. Tennessee, they're fun to watch, man. The way Josh Heupel, you know, the head coach there, the way they spread you out. Yeah. Lyndon Hooker's legitimate Heisman candidate. Jalen Hyatt's terrific. And they play great defensively against Kentucky. And they just – the atmosphere was ridiculous. It was such a great environment at Neyland Stadium Saturday night. Like, the the energy there, when they took the field, it was the blackouts and the the Vols were wearing the all-black uniforms. And it, they had a laser light show pregame. It was, it was cool. It was a great look. And we get jaded, right? We you we go to so many games and are in so many stadiums. It's rare I have a feeling like you get a chill from a place you're at. But that's what it was like on Saturday night in Knoxville. Well, I mean, for not not to bore the fans, but for us college football fans, when we were growing up. Tennessee was always. A, a premier program, Philip Fulmer, and they won a national title. You think about when Peyton Manning was there, and then T. Martin led him to the national title. So many great NFL players have come out of Tennessee, and then they just fell off. I mean, they've been bad for years and run through all these coaches. And Hypo, I think, for me, I'll always think of him as the quarterback that got Bob Stoops his national championship at Oklahoma. Now we've watched him go through the coaching ranks. I mean – I mean, I, I'm over Alabama. I mean, I have nothing but respect for Nick Saban and all that, but I'm over Alabama. We need – I've, I've, I've enjoyed Kirby Smart in Georgia. I need something new coming out of the – if I'm going to be force-fed SEC, I need, where's the old ball coach in Florida? I need something else. I can't just keep getting Alabama, so I, I've enjoyed that, um, seeing that. Call, call, by the way, Roxy, you know, it's interesting how there's stuff that ha- – you know, boy, young men – can do some dumb things. We all know that. Young men wearing helmets and shoulder pads can do yeah. really dumb things. Before yeah. games, after games, but when it's caught on video, and next thing you know, police departments get involved. I mean, this whole thing with Michigan and Michigan State, four players suspended, this thing's ugly, and the problem is it's all on video. Yeah, and that's that's the thing now. And, look, stuff like this happened back in the day, but the problem in Michigan, Chris, is they have one tunnel that both teams emerge from they and that that you're just inviting trouble and it's not the first time in Michigan something like this has happened maybe not this extreme and maybe not all of it caught on video like we saw Saturday night but that's part of the issue is the one tunnel where both teams are trying to get to and from their locker room I mean I know San Jose State has the one little ramp there but it's not the same um, well, I would say the big house and Spartan Stadium are comparable in a lot of ways. Well, when it, when Spartan Stadium's completed, right, 
We got to wait for the the east side to be completed. Then we can have that conversation. We, we, we have we're 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 rounding up. Uh, if people don't know, we're going to be putting these boxes up, and the conversation because this was uh, homecoming weekend, and we had the San Jose State Spartan baseball tournament, golf tournament at my course, Cinnabar Hills, and there is talk that uh, my crew we are going to get a box, and I kept saying to people. Well, in theory, there's going to be luxury boxes there. And in theory, we'll be able to buy them when they're open. Well, there is a there are boxes technically there now, correct? Well, there's stuff being built. It's like, in theory, how are terminals no, going to work? Even on, uh, even on the side that's still standing. Oh, yeah. Right? Those, yeah, those are the, we, no, we're, we, we want new. <laughs> we're millennials. We want new. Hey, th- when I go to Spartans games, that's where I sit, Chris, you know. Exactly. We want new. We're not sitting with you old riffraff. We're the new style fan. <laughs> You'll be able to come over to our box. We'll feed you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, hey, as, long, as, as long as you keep your coach, you know, I know he's, his name is being talked about for other places because he's, he's doing an unbelievable job. But as long as Brent Brennan's there, you got me and the Spartan faithful. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, the old coach came back for this. Uh, they celebrated the 11-2 and military bowl team. Coach Mack was there. Coach McIntyre. Nice. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Brennan leaves. McIntyre may, and Brent McIntyre was a hell of a program builder himself along. Brennan's done a really good job. So, I, I – I, Brennan coming uh, – McIntyre coming back, I would, would – I. I don't want to make this about San Jose State football, but I would not be shocked. And Mac, you know, I thought he got a raw deal, to be honest with you, at Colorado. You know, he he won the Pac-12 South the only time that Colorado's ever done it. But then they faltered a little bit, and then they decided to make a change. And Colorado still hasn't recovered from Terrible. the struggles. So, you know, that's that's the thing about... Mac and he did a good job of building that program up. So you're right. He is a program builder, but be thankful for what you got right now because your program's in really good hands. Getting to the World Series. I don't know if this means anything to you, uh, but it, it it tells you a lot. Game three winner in 98 World Series has gone on to win 68, basically rounding up to 69% of the time. You win tonight. Almost 70% chance you go on to the win World Series. These all are different. They all have a life of their own. These are different human beings. But how much does that weigh on you right there and put the importance of Game 3 tonight in Philadelphia? I don't think the players are so consumed by that, right? It's more, I think, fodder for us to talk about. Because I guarantee whoever loses the game tonight, they're going, oh, crap, we're doomed. Right, we're done. We can't come back from this. So I think it's more us as a conversation point than it is the players are getting overly concerned about we have to win game three because the percentages tell us we're in much better shape if we do than we don't. I think the rain delay or the rain postponement from yesterday really helps the Phillies that they're they're not deep in pitching. Houston's deep in pitching. So I, I think the extra day off allowed Rob Thompson to adjust his rotation, and now Ranger Suarez is pitching in game three, and now they can go with Nolan tomorrow in game four and bring him back in game seven on short rest. Um, I think it also helps that they can push Zach Wheeler back a day because his velocity dipped. Yeah. And he didn't look as sharp and didn't look like the same pitcher that he had been. So 
to me, I think it's a huge lift for the Phillies to get that extra day. And I got to tell you, if you look at the numbers, Phillies bullpen's been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the numbers. I mean, Alvarado, the way he's been pitching, and Dominguez, even David Robertson coming in, who wasn't available in the last round because of the calf. Um, uh, That's the area that I think a lot of people were concerned with for the Phillies, Chris, going into the World Series was the pitching depth in the bullpen. But – they figured it out. And so here we go to game three, and then it allows them to kind of play around with Noah Syndergaard if they want. Uh, instead of, okay, we have to start him now, they can wait and see, and they got him in the bullpen. So the Phillies, I, I think, benefit greatly, and so does their bullpen arms because those guys are getting overworked, and but now they have a couple extra days to get ready for tonight. Yeah, if the Phillies lose the next two games, you got to have Wheeler in game five, who pitches yeah. better at home than he does on the – he's had a great year either way, but his numbers are even way better at home. And that's crazy to think about considering how much of a hitter-friendly ballpark Citizens Bank Park is, right? It is uh, – uh, the ball just flies out of there. you got short porches. So I always find it interesting when a Phillies pitcher or a Reds pitcher even – uh, just because of these hitter-friendly ballparks, they have better success in those places than they do some other yards around that are more pitcher-friendly. That is so true. I mean, even Houston. I know Houston, once it gets out towards center field, and, mm-hmm. and what they call it, Cows or McCow's Hill, Towels Hill or whatever. Towels Hill, which is gone now. Which way, And I was like, this must have been some really super important person, right? Like like somebody in government. It was like an old club president. And I'm like, wait yeah. a minute, you named this yeah. hill after an old club president? But, you know, the Crawford boxes are a joke. Those are a joke. And right field, you can dump one out into right field easy. So, yeah, kind of the same thing in Houston. Houston's no day at the beach to pitch in. Are we going to have the Roy Eisenhart uh, center field hill in the new ballpark? Oh, my God. <laughs> No? No. Roy's not getting it? We're not. How about the Walter Haas Hill? What do you think? No. Can you imagine us putting what, doing something like a flagpole? You, yeah. You, yeah. I, well, there's some names, but I don't want to get in trouble, so I'm not going to mention any names. Well, Walter Haas deserves something. I will say that. Well, we can do work. We're, 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 we have a Hall of Fame now. Yeah. But, but then you have like. Like what the Giants have done, where you've done like the wall, where you're not really good enough to be the Hall of Fame guy, but you can be recognized guy. Speaking speaking of that team across the bay, I, I still hot take. Do we got a hot? The, we got a hot take. Yeah, I got a hot take. All right, hot take. Here. Hold on, hot take Tuesday. Ready? Hot take in three, two, one. I still can't believe they retired Will Clark's number. That that to me is a joke. Will Clark was a Will Clark was a really good player. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic player. But that honor f- to have your jersey retired should be for the elite of the elite. If you're in the baseball Hall of Fame. Now look, I get it. Barry Bonds number should be retired. I don't have any That's a different ball game. That. That's a different the, ball game. Exactly. <laughs> but, but Will Clark I mean look, he Okay, he went to a World Series with the Giants. They didn't win it. He took them to the playoffs also in 87. They lost in the NLCS. He had a really good, what, 
six years, Cody, with the Giants? Seven Seven. years? Yeah, it sounds about right. And then they said, see ya. Yeah. I mean, and he signed elsewhere. And I get it. He's still part of the organization. He's a fan favorite. I I got no problem with that. But can you honestly say that he did? When you see it's Willie Mays, Juan Marichal, Willie McCovey, Hubble, Ott, that Will Clark deserves to be with them? Can I give you a little story on that? Yeah, please. I was hosting A's pre- and post-game live at NBC with Dave Stewart the day that happened. Okay. So I'm sitting there, and you know everybody that works there is a Giants fan. And and I'm filling out my scorecard for that game, and I'm talking to Stu, and they've got this whole Will Clark thing, and they're all glued to the TV in the newsroom like this is the greatest thing ever. And I realized – Hey, listen, I'm an independent contractor to these people. I'm the A's guy. I'm not, you know, I'm just, I, I roll in, I host, I leave. But I, I I was like, I started out down this route that you're starting out like, you guys are really retired. And, and they wanted to shiv me. Like they, 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 they literally, like they would have started choking me with masks. Everybody's wearing masks still. They would have choked me with masks. I mean, that, like you say this to giant fans, it's like, do you realize. You're retired. No one will ever wear 22 again for a guy that made a couple All-Star games. Yeah. Never won an MVP. Now, I mean, it's like. Maybe it's a combination of Will with Jack Clark. And that was so 22 Clark. And then, you know, because you know, for a long period of time, they were pretty good together. You right? want to put them on the wall with Hunter Pence and Joe Panic and Robbie yeah. Thompson and, 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 and. <laughs> Bill Spire and those guys. Okay. Okay. I get it. I Uribe. I mean, whoever from those guys you want to put out there. Vogel song. You want to be out with Marvin Bernard. That's fine. But retire. Let's go. (laughs) Bobby Estalea. You want to put him on the wall. That's fine. Bobby Chestalea. Will call you retire. And, and, God bless, yeah. God bless Dave. Yeah, because Dave Stewart was like, "Really, you're retiring?" I mean, seriously, you're this guy's not an all-time great. I, I made the joke that he's not even the best number twenty-two to ever play for the Giants. That was Andrew McCutcheon. Oh God, that's bad. That's just, he was an MVP, that's not just, with the Giants. That's just bad pirate. That's bad pirate. Who was the humor. better? Who was the better Clark with the Giants? Will or Jack? Will. Yeah, yeah, but Jack Jack Clark was pretty damn good. You know what? And he went to St. Louis, and he had another. Outstanding run there, too. So, like, who would the A's equivalent be to Will Clark? Carney Lansford? Terry Steinbach? I mean, I, I Will's probably better than both those guys, but those guys were terrific players. Yeah, but Will, Will was uh, – how many All-Star games did Will make? He made me quite a few. He was a yeah. runner-up batting title. One, two, three, four, five, six All-Star games. And how many times did he how get many MVP? With the Giants, though? Uh, he well, how many times with the Giants? All with the Giants. They were all with the Giants, but one. So what was that five? A five. He okay. was he was the uh, NLCS MVP. Was in '89. Yeah. Won a Gold yeah. Glove, and he was a two-time Silver Slugger. He finished in the MVP, the top five of the MVP, one, two, three, four times. Dave Henderson was in print and made some all-star games. How many all-stars did Terry Steinbach make, Cody? Uh, let me pull it up. Uh, Terry Steinbach was a three-time all-star. Okay. Okay, there you go. That's close. Also an all-star game MVP. 
So he was. So we're yeah. not sitting here talking about retiring Terry Steinbach's number all time. Not Ricky, I mean, Reggie, Terry Steinbach. <laughs> With all due respect to Terry yeah. Steinbach, it's and not. It's not. We we can't mention like okay Giambi or Tejada for other reasons. I'll give you a guy. And we were talking to Dave Feldman about this, uh-huh. and it, it kind of it's like crazy that this guy does not get brought up, and he's truly greatness. And it's like it's like he's the most forgotten because obviously he played with Hall of Famers. Is Ken Holtzman? Ken, yeah, Ken Holtzman. If you look at his career, especially the post, because Ray Fossey used to always talk about Ken Holtzman was the guy you wanted to have on the mound. You start looking at his career; it's an incredible career. But his his post, he pitched thirteen games, twelve starts in the postseason, and a career two point three zero ERA. You look at his starts: World Series, ALCS. The guy was like the biggest big game pitcher. Gave you innings, one game. I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, and he's part of those championship squads. I mean, three rings. I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody else. What about Dwayne Murphy in the in the comparison of Will Clark? I mean, Will's probably better, but Dwayne Murphy was a really good Oakland A for a while, and he played next to Ricky. He won six gold Well, how about Eric Chavez, who we just put in the Hall of Fame? See, I see Will Clark would be in your Hall of Fame. But for not, what? For any team, if you have a Hall of Fame, we'll, yeah, we'll he's in the we'll team play. Hall of Fame. He's yeah, in the but team he's Hall not, of Fame. He's not. He, he doesn't belong. He doesn't belong in Cooperstown. Yeah, nor does he belong to retire his jersey all the time. No. So that that's that. Okay, that was that was my hot take for the day. How's that? I I am in full agreement. I'll never forget being in that newsroom, kind of looking around, going, "Are you guys serious about this?" I mean, I mean, it's one thing to like honor Hunter Pence, and you get him a scooter, and you put him on the Wall of Fame, or Joe Panic, or whoever. Will Clark belongs on the Wall. He doesn't belong in the rafters. I mean, it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's like the Dodgers retiring Steve Garvey's number, right? Although Garvey won World Series, Will didn't win a World Series with the Giants. Garvey was pretty damn good. Garvey was an he MVP. was he, he was a World Series MVP, MVP. Yeah, he's been up for the Hall of Fame numerous times. Yeah, Will Will Clark was never. No, a serious but consideration. The Dodgers retiring Steve Garvey's number, right? No. So, wow, hot! I like it. Coming with some fuel today. Would you play hockey this morning or something? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I little, was on the ice at noon. Got a little angry cheeks going today. I like it. What do you got this weekend? I've got a home game. I've got the Stanford Cardinal against. The Washington State Cougars. It's my fourth Washington State game in eight games this year. That's a decent little club, that Cougar team. Yeah, and I got them next week, too. I got to go to Pullman next week because they play ASU. Hey, uh, what, what are, are we projecting for any bowl at San Jose State? We've been talking about, like, would, would we go to the bowl game? Probably. But it's it can't be, like, right next to Christmas. The, can you, how about the L.A., the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl? Can we get this part? No, I would love that, but we're not yeah. we're not associated with that. Who is that? No, I thought, is that the Mountain West? It's Pac-12. It's Pac-12 and the Mountain West, I thought. No? I don't know, but that would I be easy. I know Pac-12 is. That's a quick, that's a Southwest. What, what, where are they playing that? At uh, SoFi. That's, a, that's LAX, baby. That's a quick, less than hour flight 
Uber over, watch the game, you're home. It's a one-day deal. Wife can't complain. The, the hardest part of that is getting to and from LAX from the stadium, even though it's like a mile away. Yeah. You got to go back roads. Oh. And then that might be a whole different issue. I never, I never, if I don't have to, I never fly LAX. It's always Burbank or, you know, if I have a game down in Orange County, I go to, obviously, SNA, John Wayne. But Burbank, I have a UCLA or USC game. 19 oh. times out of 20, I'm flying in and out of Burbank. This is according to Yahoo Sports. Okay. It looks like they have the Spartans on Christmas Eve playing in Honolulu against Middle Tennessee. I, can I If that's the case, I will be there. I, I I think I can sell that to my wife. I'm going to be there for basketball. I can, can you imagine that sell. Hey, honey, um, going to miss Christmas Eve. <laughs> going to be uh, in Hawaii, Honolulu. We're going to go play golf for a couple days, and then we're going to go to the bowl game. And uh, I'll fly. This, I'll back. I'll fly back Christmas morning. You can red eye at home that night. Christmas Eve night after the game. Think I can sell that? If you if you bring Amanda, you can sell it. Well, no, I'm and not, the kids. I'm not, no, that's not. <laughs> that's not happening. No. All right. Yeah. I mean, well, you can send them to San Diego, or you know. Do I have a better chance of seeing Santa Claus than I do uh, that San Jose State football game? I'll be at that game. It's all. That's all you need to know. If they're in just, the Hawaii Bowl. I am there. Just win this weekend, and you're bowl eligible. You're, know. you're could, already a twenty-something point favorite could, at could home. We, could we be in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? I thought that was Pac-12. I, I have to pull up again. Let me give me a second. I think I thought it was Mountain West against Pac-12. Who do the Who do the mighty Spartans have this week? Who do we got? Colorado State. Colorado State. The the Rams. Yeah, they're not very good. Jay Norvell. I had, um, week three against Washington State. It's, yeah. Hey, every Jay single Norvell's time we, got a hard rebuild there. Every single time we play somebody that supposedly isn't very good, we struggle. Yeah, but Fresno, I think this week. I think that the emotions now of everything they've been through, Chris, in the last week and a half, they'll be better. There was no emotions in Fresno. Trust me, that was a great drive. That was just a bad – our line stinks. Our line – Did you stinks. go to the game, Cody? Did, I did. you go down in Fresno? I did, yeah. Look at – did Chris? Uh, no. God, no, I'm not going to Fresno. I only went because one of my friends went to school there. I'm never going to that pit ever again in my life unless the A's end up having their AAA team there. That might be the only way I ever go back to Fresno. Okay, hurry, Cody. We're right I, I don't, I don't, here. It, I try to pull it up. There it is. All right. Uh, where, is the, where is the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl? It's a, no, it's at SoFi, but. I know. What do we got? Uh, let me. I'm trying to search it faster, but uh, what, do you know what day it's on, Rox? It's like December. It's early. It's like December there 19th, maybe. Jimmy hey. Kimmel Bowl. It has projected <laughs> Boise State versus. Washington State. So there it's you go. Ma- it's Mountain West. Mount West. Yeah. Told you. That's what we need. Last year was Utah State, Oregon State. And that's perfect. Yeah. December seventeenth. That's that's Christmas is not even close. Wife can't complain. You fly down to LA, fly back. We're rooting for the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Because it's it'll only be around for one year. His ratings are so bad anyway. No, it was around last year. It's more than one year. Come well, on. This may be the last year because his ratings aren't so hot from uh late night. TV. Well, uh, Roxy, my, my sister-in-law might be getting me USC UCLA tickets. Is that is that worth driving down to go see? That would be fun, especially at the, at the Rose year. Bowl, right? Yeah, it's at the Rose Bowl. 
I've done that game once. Um, it's it's pretty cool when you look in and, uh, and both sides are well represented, and you've got UCLA wearing the powder blues with the Trojans wearing their Cardinal. It, it is a great atmosphere for a rivalry game. Yeah, the Rose Bowl. I like the. I mean, it's hard to get into. It's a, but it's you park on a golf course, you go in, and it's actually really. Have you, Cody? Have you been to the Rose Bowl before? No, I've been to around it. My sister-in-law lives in Pasadena, right down the street. Yeah, you got you got to go to a game there once. You you have to. Well, she offered especially me, when you know if you have an opportunity like this, go. She offered me uh, UCLA Stanford tickets, and I was like, No, yeah, I'm already too busy that weekend. No, Stanford. It was it was stinks. last week. It was last weekend. Stanford Stanford doesn't even want to play us. They're gutless. All right, Roxy, <laughs> we got to roll, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. See you guys. All right, buddy. Coming up next, Scott. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Fransky, the voice of the Phillies, next right here on A's Cast Live. Oakland Athletics spring training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Scott Fransky is going to join us coming up here. The voice of the Phillies. I like it how uh, he's coming on before World Series game. Him and Sparksy. He's actually from Texas. He's an SMU guy. It's kind of the relationships we built. I think I had Francie on earlier this year with that the the great Joe Hughes for pregame once when we played yeah. Philly at the beginning of the year, and that's the last time we talked to him. So I'll give him a call here. In that a was that was uh, that was opening day. Yeah, that was so that was back on the what was that April eighth or seventh? That's back when I went to the Masters. Yeah, so it's been a while. Lots happened for the Phil since. Then. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how we'll start it out. Oh man, how do you think about that? You think about where this season started, and where we are now. You just think about the last few years of baseball and where we are now. You know, we're coming out of a lockout, right? I mean, unbelievable. Scott, welcome back to A's Cast Live. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? 
just thinking about the last time we talked to you was the start of the season right after the lockout, get spring training going, season starts. I mean, no one thinks about that traditional home opener like Oakland A's against the Philadelphia Phillies. And then amazing, all the things that have happened that have led up to tonight. Was that this year? <laughs> yeah, isn't it crazy? I mean, that was so long ago. I mean, I, I, unreal what you guys have been through. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, obviously the last three, four weeks have been uh, something pretty special. Um, but the season was quite a roller coaster as well, and um, things are very different from where we started. For that's for sure. And uh, I don't know that many people uh, picked them to be here. I mean, I know not many people picked them to be here at this spot. And maybe even four weeks ago, not a few, lot of people picked them to be here. But yet here we are. Yeah, I, I I think about those negotiations that they had during the lockout, where there were certain people on the players' side coming from agents who said, you know, if you expand playoffs, that means more owners are not going to want to go for it and spend more money, and it'll be easier to get in the postseason. And I think with the Philadelphia Phillies, Dave Dombrowski has always been a guy. We've had him on this show for years. He's always been a go-for-it guy. I think the Phillies have shown once again this is why everybody should do everything in their power to get to the postseason because once you get there, anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, I mean, they're not the only ones, but they're the latest poster child for just that. I mean, the regular season has been has become more and more irrelevant every year. And I, I don't mean, I mean obviously you got to play well in the regular season to get to this point. But um, but I mean obviously if you get hot at the right time and you have the right roster makeup and maybe some matchups fall your way along the way, um, yeah, this this too could be you. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I think I, I mean I think baseball has had enough examples of it over the last few years. Um, the fact that there hasn't been a repeat champion since 2000, uh, that speaks volumes for how fast you can, you know, things can change and fortunes can change in this game. And again, when you have a tournament with, uh, you know, 12 teams in it um, and the Phillies being the last one in, um, I think it shows that, uh, yeah, absolutely, anything can happen. It's amazing what sports does for a community. I think we've seen a lot of this in, in, in past years when the Red Sox and the Patriots were winning at the same time. But now this is this is right in front of you right now. Your buildings are absolutely right next to each other. Philly's done a great job with their facilities where you have football and then you have the arena for hoops and hockey right next door. Philly Live, which is a great place for everybody to come together. Just take us through what it's like right now to be in Philadelphia where you got the Eagles are rolling and you got the Phillies in the World Series. I mean, it's just got to be amazing. It really is. And, uh, you know, everybody's everybody's on board. Obviously, the crowds have been as much a part of the story here at home. Uh, the five games they've played at home, the crowds have been just unreal. Uh, making all kinds of noise and the, you know, the fact that this, I mean, they're, they're definitely a part of this uh, story of, of this, you know, 2022 playoff run for the Phillies, but you know, uh, citywide, um, everybody's interested. Everybody's talking about it. Um, you know, there's not many, you pretty much have to go to the world series. I think to get people to talk about you over an eight and O Eagles team in this town. 
so, uh, and they're still talking about the Eagles too, but I think uh, the World Series, obviously, the fact that uh, they've gotten to this point, everybody's, uh, you know, the town is red. Uh, you know, everybody's wearing their Phillies hat out and about around town. It's uh, it's cool to see. It's cool to see the way this community really ties, you know, ties itself together around its sports teams. This time, you know, this time of the year and whatever the circumstances are, you want to spin everything into a positive, always put the good vibes out into the universe. Uh, yeah, you had a, uh, a rain out yesterday, back at it today, but how is the rain and how is the extra day good for the Philadelphia Phillies? Well, it's allowed them to change their pitching plans a little bit. You know, they're built, their rotation is built around those three guys, Wheeler, Nola, and Suarez. And by not, you know, by kind of postponing uh, a bullpen game for a couple more days to game five, gives them a chance to get Ranger out here in game three, which then, of course, Nola follows up in game four. Uh, both of those guys would theoretically then be available for any potential game seven down the road. So, um, and it also, by moving that bullpen game to uh, game five, which is followed up by an off day. It allows Rob Thompson, if he wants to, if he needs to on that particular day to kind of empty his bullpen because he knows everybody's going to have an off day coming up the next day. So, um, you know, again, you can, you can juggle it all kinds of different ways. Um, and, and, uh, you know, you can certainly talk about how it might be good for him, but it still comes down to execution. And uh, this Houston club is really good. And it still comes down to whoever's on the bump they got to execute every single pitch because otherwise these Astros will make you pay. Well, you know, you look at the uh, bullpen so far for, for the Philadelphia Phillies been very good in this series and game three. So pivotal. We've been talking about it all day on the show. The winner goes on to win 69% of the time you round up 69%. So obviously this game is big, but I think about the Phillies, the bank, just how this team has embraced and the fans. And I think about when your star player, Bryce Harper, is all about the Phillies and all about the town. Just, you know, home field advantage is always big for everybody. I get it. But there seems to be something special about home field advantage. Take us through what it's like, these playoff games and now World Series game at Citizen Bank Field. Or well, I mean, you know, the, yeah, the uh... – the three games against Atlanta, I think the thing that's uh, so impressive about it is the fact, not just the overall noise level, which is, you know, at times deafening, but it's the fact that it's the sustained level of engagement these fans have had from the first pitch to the last out of all these ball games. Um, you know, I mean, if you get, you know, knocked in the teeth and, and, uh, and the Astros come out tonight and put up a big number early, it'll, you know, test that crowd to see how, uh, how, how into it they really are. But I mean, you know, we've seen it even on days when, you know, we saw San Diego get up big early on and the Phillies came right back and the crowd was right back into it. Um, uh, you know, again, that the, it's been this constant uh, sort of love fest, mutual admiration, whatever, whatever you want to call it. The players always talk about the, uh, the, the, the support of the fans and what it's meant to them this during this playoff run and the fans, obviously, are just showering them with affection. But um, the players are giving them some pretty good things to cheer about, too. So there's <laughs> a lot to do with it. Well, I got to tell you, I know you got a broadcast coming up here not too long. So the fact that you're coming on the program means a lot. And uh, let's do this every single year. We seem to bring you good luck. 
Let's do it. We're gonna. Do we get to open with Oakland again? Uh, can you imagine that again? Because nothing says opening day like Phillies A's, right? It's like that revenge yeah. of the revenge yeah. of know, the, the Philadelphia old... A's coming back. Right. It's the old city series. <laughs> Bring it back. Well, good luck to you guys. We let me tell you, you know how much we hate the Astros as our division rival. Nobody's <laughs> nobody is pulling harder for Philadelphia than Oakland A's fans. I can guarantee you that. Have a great call tonight. Thank you for the time. Means a lot. I appreciate it. Talk to you again soon. Scott Fransky, the voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the clock like it's seven seven twelve seven twelve. Uh, it'd be six twelve there. Oh yeah, six twelve. Yeah, uh, but yeah, when I when I was texting with him, he was supposed to come on last week, and then he forgot, and then they were flying, and then he goes, "I'm really sorry, I can do it next week." And then I text him, he goes, "I'm good for six p.m." And I'm like, "The game starts at eight. Like, yeah. well, well I, that's why I don't want to keep him. I mean, I could ask him a bunch about Bryce Harper, but you know, the fact that he's coming on, he's probably in some uh, room at the ballpark right now, and the fact that he's coming on with us, you're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, this is the third – Sarah Langs had this, our good friend, uh, at S. Langs on Twitter – or at S. Langs on sports on Twitter, had this earlier. This is the 13th November game in MLB history. 2021 game uh, – 2021 World Series game six last year. 2017 World Series game seven. 2016 World Series games six and seven. That's back when the Cubs won. 2015 World Series game five. 2010 World Series game five. 2009 World Series game six uh, – four through six – there was a rain out there, remember, because of the Game 3. And 2001 World Series games 5 through 7, obviously, with 9-11, World Series was pushed back. Did you get the highlight that I sent you? I did. Are you talking? Let me let me just get it ready. Got you the highlight? One of the most famous in baseball history? Let me uh, let me get it ready. And uh, are you talking about, well, this one? And the 3-2 pitch. Swung on a drill to right field. Going back Sanders on the track at the wall. See ya! See ya! See ya! A home run by Derek Jeter. He pumps his fist in the air as he rounded first. And the entire Yankee team bobs him at home plate. He is Mr. November. That's uh, Michael Kay on, uh, would that have been Yes Network or Yankees Radio Network? Had to be radio. Had to be because I was in the oh. national call. Yeah, but. that would have been Fox. That would have been back then. It would have been Tom Tom Brenneman doing the games. I think Brenneman was doing the games back 01? then. Oh one. Yeah, I think it was Tom Brenneman. Wow. But yeah, because it's September 11th, the World Series pit was uh, pushed back, and you know you thought about that moment against Kim and the Yankees and everything, and they cut to Kurt Schilling in the dugout, and you're thinking, man, New York, everybody at that time, no matter how much. You didn't like New York, and you hate the Yankees, and you're, everybody was really pulling for New York at that time because, obviously, because of September 11th. And I, I, I'll never forget. But like, I wasn't, you know, just because I hate the Yankees so much. I'm like, you know what? Uh, D-backs. I was rooting for the D-backs. And the D-backs would go on to come back and win game six, come back and win game seven, one of the great World Series. You think about Kurt Schilling. You think about Randy Johnson, Luis Gonzalez, and the effort of that team under Bob Brenly. But that right there, one of the most famous World Series highlights because of everything leading up, September 11th and everything in New York to do that. Uh, incredible. So, yeah, World Series. I mean, World Series used to be – they used to play the regular season then the World Series. I mean, World Series were over in early October. 
And now that we're pushing this thing into November, I mean, we got to get ready for this. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna expand the playoffs and not shorten the season, this is what you're gonna get. You're gonna get some rough times when you have weather. I mean, you can go back to the uh, famous the famous World Series against the Reds and the uh, and the Red Sox back in 1975. When you think of, um, I don't know how to say Carlton Fisk. Yeah, Carlton Fisk, when he's doing the famous keep it fair in game six to win it for the Red Sox, that that World Series back in Boston was delayed for days because of bad weather. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Sucks, but it's going to happen. I do think, though, what's far different now for baseball and the fact of how your competition works, that you're not competing. First of all, you're not competing with Halloween. You're not competing with everybody's got to go out, trick-or-treat, do all that stuff with their kids, or you're doing parties or whatever you're doing on Halloween. You're not competing with Monday Night Football. You're not competing with all the fantasy football people watching for reasons that whether somebody's on your team or someone else's team, whatever. You're all by yourself on a Tuesday night. You're not going to be bad. I mean, you're going to have towns out of NBA and hockey, whatever. But you're really, from a national perspective, you're by yourself. Really, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you don't have competition. Thursday night football's on Amazon. It's yeah, terrible. It was, Amazon Prime, yeah. It's terrible. So it's like, I don't know who's watching those games. Baseball really is going to have, hate that, hate to have the rain out, but from a primetime perspective, and competition, which we're all about promoting our game, you're going to have three straight days of what are you competing against? Uh, the, the only thing that's unfortunate for Philadelphia, well, I guess and Houston, no, no one really. I mean, the Texans are 1-5-1. One, and one. Thursday night football this week, Eagles at Texans. With Eagle and then Astros, Phillies on four. Thursday night for game five. If this was A's Raiders, I guarantee you everybody, we, we've experienced it, Giants, Niners, you're going to be all in on a World Series game. You're going to care about football. People, wait, where's the game? I think it's in Houston. Yeah, so it's a road game. But so, Philly's undefeated, though. It's a road game. You watch both. It's a road game. And they both start around the same time. They'll both start around the same time. And, by the way, I don't know. How many people are even watching these Amazon games? It's a good question. I do have numbers on the World Series, though. Uh, through two games, the World Series on Fox is averaging 11,185 viewers, 185,000 viewers. So 11,185,000 viewers. That's up 4% over last year's average and of, uh, 21% over 2020. So the ratings but, but are go up. on about 2020. Well, it was the COVID year, and there was no fans there. So it's what, t- up 21% yeah, 21 per- 21% over 2020. This is why... There is, there is a, and I don't agree with it. I'll, I'll, I want to always be on record that I don't agree with it. If you worked it and you understand it, 2020 was horrific. But that there is now that we are less sympathetic. I know I said this to somebody recently, and I said, just, just, just understand where people's mindsets are, and then I understand, and I don't, I don't get emotional about it but i said to somebody i said i said you know millions of people died from covid you know what this person's reaction was i can only imagine let's hear it 
not in the United States. Oh. And I was like, are you serious? I said, well, over a million people died. And worldwide, I think it was over 7 million people. And this person's reaction was, well, not in the United States. And I was like, wow. Literally, I was like, wow. And these guys played through a pandemic. And they had to be put in a bubble, which they were told. Don't see people that are not in the bubble. Don't hang out with people who are not in the bubble. We kept them in hotels, on floors, in bubbles. Only eat here. Only I mean, they, they did all this stuff that's never been happened, that's never happened before. And they don't know what's going on. I remember the Astros team all went and got Johnson & Johnson. Remember when they flew into Houston? They all got the Johnson Johnson shot, and then they went back out on the road, which the Johnson Johnson shot, however you want to believe. We've got a lot of new information on COVID stuff over time. What experts were saying back then, what experts say now, some things with Johnson Johnson, I don't know, but there's been some stuff that we're like, uh, I only know one person in my friend's group. I only know one person that got it, the Johnson and Johnson shot. I know the whole Houston Astros team got it. I think the Yankees did too, if I'm not mistaken. The entire Yankees team did. So were we we weren't were we all we were we all vaccinated by the time of the playoffs? Um, I know we hit the what was it the eighty? Well, that was but for, not everybody was vaccinated. No, I think we definitely hit the eighty five percent threshold. I mean, think about that. We didn't know you, you needed to be. And we're looking down on people who weren't vaccinated. Now we're starting to look differently. See, New York is hiring back a bunch of people who were fired for being unvaccinated. I did see that. Yes. So yeah, things are changing in our world, and but the fact that. All that was going on, I will not look at that as not a real World Series champion. But as we grow, as we separate further and further from the COVID, you, like I said, I talked to somebody, they went, well, not millions of people died here. I looked it up. Exactly 1.07 million people died. 97.3 million cases have happened of COVID in the United States. I was like, what, what happened in the world? Okay, let me see. So it's like. So I really think there's a lot of people that are very insensitive and they act like the COVID World Series didn't matter. There have been 630 million total cases worldwide and 6.59 million, so we'll round up 6.6 million deaths from COVID. But yet we now have people, now that we're getting further away from it, we now have people who say, what? That's I, I'm not sure. That's not a World Series. That's not, oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. COVID. Well, people are still saying it now. Like, oh, they enjoy your Mickey Mouse title or whatever they call it. Yeah, it's just, it's, 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 it's disgusting. It, it, but it's the same thing with the Lakers. Here winning. you go. Plus 21. We're up 21 percent over, percent over since, 2020. Since that, you know, we would have thought that World Series would be the most watched because whatever the hell else were you doing? It's funny how people's lives and people's habits and people, things changed. Well, think about it this way, too. Um, last year was Braves Astros. That's a, Major market in Houston, and Atlanta's not small, but it's not big. This year, you got Houston and Philadelphia, two of the top ten biggest markets in the country, watching the World Series on Fox. So that's going to help boost your numbers for sure. But you also you got the you got the best team in the American League and the hottest team in the National League, and that he's happened to both play in two of the best mar uh, media markets in the country. There's one other uh, factoid to see if you know any of who has the most all-time hits in November. This is also from Sarah Langs on Twitter. 
who's got the most November hits? Yeah, no, remember small sample size, but most. Oh November my God, hits. it's real because there's only how many games? How many? How many World Series have actually been played in November? She Sarah had I think it was thir- this will be the thirteenth game. Thirteenth game. How many of the Yankees play? How many did the Yankees play? Uh, let me <clears throat> let me look at that list again. Let's see, oh one, oh nine. That's it. Anybody else have more? Uh, let's see. 2009 was the Phillies and Red Sox. 2010 was who was in the Giants, Rangers. No, I don't think so. No. Then it's got to be Jeter. Oh, well, Houston. I guess Houston played in 2017 and 2020. It's got to be Jeter. It's Jeter. He has eight. You want the full list? No. I just know that I did. I get it right. Yeah. It's got to be Jeter. Yeah. I mean, he played the most and he always got hits. Tony Womack was second with six. And he only played in one. He only played, yeah, he played in one with the the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Then Johnny Damon, Chris Chris Bryant, Danny Batista, Steve Finley. Chris Bryant. Yeah, Chris Bryant had five. In one series? Uh yeah, they had that twenty sixteen World Series. They played games four or game six and seven and he had five games. He had or, five hits yeah. in two games. He was good for the Cubs that year. It really isn't a relevant list, but it is a list. Yeah. But it's gonna be a list that is gonna be more relevant because we're gonna play more games in November. Now you know. Like, when I talk about how ridiculous it is that every team doesn't have a retractable roof. Yeah, we're starting to get there. Now we saw another postponement. You, you gave out the list earlier, if you still have right? it handy, about the, about the games canceled in Philadelphia for game like, three. Nobody wants Everybody wants to be outside for baseball. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a summertime sport, right? You want to be outside. It's beautiful. But then again, the start of the year and the end of the year are miserable, and it's like, it's like everybody should be able to just, like, take, like, a big tarp Go to Lowe's or Home Depot or Ace Hardware and get a big tarp and just put it over the stadium. <laughs> right? That'd be kind of funny, right? Because as great as you guys all want summertime, I mean, other than the California teams where we don't have rain now. Whoa, whoa! If there's a World Series game today, it could have been postponed for how much it rained what, here in San Jose. I don't know how much it rained Oakland today. Uh, I saw Pete. Uh, I look. Sun's at out right now. Three twenty-five. Yes, We'd have no problem. Yeah. Right now, according to our computers, it's fifty-five degrees and cloudy out. But I, I see the reflection of the sun hitting your garage. <laughs> yeah, it's sunny out. <laughs> Yeah, the one ra- I was expecting big rain batting down the hatches, and it rained, and then now it's back to. I guarantee you, you could go out and play golf, or the golf course would just soak it up like, oh, thank God, water. I know my lawns. We've had the some same weird way. weather and weird events here in the last like two weeks in San Jose. Remember, we had the earthquake. Yeah, and then now we had the rain. Someone I saw someone post a uh, there was a Halloween party. It was a, someone had a TikTok of it on Twitter, and it was someone holding up a sign that said, "I survived the 2022 San Jose earthquake." The apocalypse is coming. <laughs> we had an earthquake yeah. and rain within it, two weeks. Yeah, it's it's very rare. I mean, How it's had global warming. It's happening. Ah! Yeah, the the earthquake. The, what was that? Was that last week? Was it two weeks ago? It was last week. Yeah. So it's been in a week span almost. We've had two two major events. Did everybody in the Bay Area feel it? Uh, I didn't. I didn't. And we. I mean, and we happened. Uh, it happened like eleven miles from east from downtown San Jose. I was out on a walk when it happened in downtown San Jose. But and you pe- didn't feel it. But the people apparently up all the way up on the East Bay and the same. I felt that one. How? I was I literally live in the city it happened and I didn't feel it. But then I, I was out and walking, so maybe it just it was a tremor and I didn't feel it. I was technically in that city, but I was up on the in the hills playing golf, so we wouldn't feel it. Yeah. But my not. wife, my wife and Milpitas, they felt it big. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But not but not us who were both here in San Jose. We but, survived it. Yeah. We survived. we survived. You know, we're going to look back at this year, lockout, an earthquake, rain, a rainstorm, 
I mean, we've really we've had a trying year here on Ace Cast Live. Uh, there has to be something else that that has happened. One hundred and two losses. Hundred. Yeah, okay. Uh, we ha- well, hey, sixty four different players. We didn't have any uh, any. Remember when we did this show in twenty twenty because we were talking about twenty twenty. Remember when we did the show in September. I remember I was leaving for Pennsylvania the next day, and we had the, it was orange out. Remember how it, was, it looked like it was a pot like it looked like we were living in Mad Max when uh from the all the wild, all the wildfires. Fires, yeah, that that was Paul Himbikides from ESPN. I took my computer because we had him on video. I took him outside this studio and just pointed the computer at the sky. The video you can see it like it looks like. It actually looked like a Flash. You ever see the movie Flash from, like, I think it was in the 80s? Queen did the music. Flash! Ah! And they have the bizarro world. That's, I, what, the, that's what the sky looked like. It was orange and red. It, it reminded me of Mad Max, too. Like, the, the newest Mad Max movie, Fury Road. But, yeah. It was, I remember everyone saw, the, when I posted the pictures on Instagram, everyone's like, that is, re- that's crazy what it looks like there. Because, you know, no one else is, none of my friends on the East Coast are used to wildfires. So they saw that it was that year. I mean, we had that the air quality problems at the Coliseum. It, it I, looked like fog, but it was smoke. Yeah, we had all that. Then on top of COVID and 2020 was weird. This year we just had a, a small earthquake. That, well, small as in not you know five. What was a five point or four point nine or five one? It was whatever like it was. Five one or five two. Yeah, whatever. and then we had the rain today for 35 minutes. It rained. Yeah, it rained today. I mean, I I, I was in panic mode. I was up on a roof getting leaves out of my gutter. That's how bad today was. And we lost 102 games and used 64 different players. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, um, we're going to have Emo on Thursday. Well, tomorrow we're having Eno. Eno. And the Thursday we're going to have Emo. Have we decided on Thursday and Friday yet how this is flip-flopping? Uh, not sure yet. Okay. Well, I just know this. We have games the next three days. That's one. We have three. We have three games. Finally, we got games. Tomorrow we'll have an actual game to talk about. Because I, I – I, I can't really tell you if this is an advantage for either team. I mean, Houston's already had so much time off, so it can't be an advantage for them. And they don't need to rest anybody. You could say this helps Phillies, but the Phillies go out and get drilled tonight. Didn't help them at all. Yeah, the only thing it helps them with right now that we know of on paper is that they get Aaron Nola on full rest tomorrow. But he wasn't great in game one. Wheeler's got to go game five if these next two games don't go well. I mean, we've heard people say it could be a bullpen game for them game five. There's no way game five is going to be a bullpen game if they're down 3-1. What if the series is 2-2? Do you go bullpen game? No, I got to win now. You want me? You want to go back with you got to win both games in Houston? Yeah, good luck with that. I mean, you split there for games one and two, but but your two guys weren't good in those games. Nola was not good. And either was Wheeler, but then again, Verlander was game not good. Game seven is game seven is I'm throwing the the game seven is essentially I'll throw the clubhouse guy in to pitch if I got to. I can't say, well, I got this guy. I mean, I don't care if you pitch. I mean, you saw Randy John. How many, how many innings did Randy Johnson go in game six in 2001? Since we're talking 2001 today, World uh, Series. Let's we'll get Randy Johnson. Games you go like on. eight innings, seven innings, something like that. It was really high. Let me just pull up his game logs from. I'm saying he went seven and seven and something. And he's old by this point. It was game six, you said, right? Yeah. He went seven innings, allowed two runs, struck out seven. Randy Johnson went seven innings, and then the next day came out and closed it out. Oh, how many pitches did he throw? 17 after throwing 104. Randy Johnson pitched all-time great. You're not babying him. He pitched seven innings, 
And that game was a blowout, if you remember. Uh, the Diamondbacks won game six, 15-2. So he could have completed the game, but they said, Randy, we're taking you out so you can pitch tomorrow. Okay, Skip. Think about that. In a year where the A's didn't have one complete game, you had Randy Johnson. I don't even know why he said that. He had two in the – I just like saying the A's didn't well, have a complete game. Randy Johnson had two that postseason. Randy Johnson goes seven innings, commanding 15-2 to two lead. Yes. Could have easily closed it out. Great for his career. Complete game against the Yankees in the World Series. Bob Brenly says, no big man. We're going to take the ball. We'll finish it from here. And you're going to probably pitch him tomorrow. And you know what Randy Johnson said? I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. I pitched seven innings. I went 100 pitches. I might not be able to pitch till next season. No. He went down to the bullpen and said, you know what? Give me some more New York Yankees. I want to strike more of their asses out. Uh, and what did he do in the next next game? He won an inning and a third, struck out one. He pitched more than an inning the next day. Threw 17 pitches. Now, remember, game two of that World Series in Arizona, they won 4 nothing. Randy Johnson, a shutout with 11 strikeouts on – 110 pitches. Everybody still wants to remember remember Mass and Bumgarner. No, no, no. Randy Johnson, when the gate opened up in game seven, after he shoved against them in game six, Randy Johnson came out, and it was, uh-oh. This is the New York Yankees. They've won three straight World Series. They're going for their four straight World Series title. The gate opens up game seven. Randy Johnson, who just shoved it down their throats, is back at it again. And you know what all the Yankers, you know what the, all the Yankee hitters said? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What do they say? Oh, S-bomb. Because <laughs> here he came, huffing and puffing, 6'10", and you got no chance. That is the postseason. That's the World Series. They, uh, ESPN Stats and Info had a tweet yesterday about Bumgarner. But the 2010 World Series, I'm trying to find it. Uh, where was it? Well, why don't we give you the opportunity to find it? Coming up next, we'll see if Cody can find it right here on A's Cast Live. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Oakland Athletics Spring Training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. 
Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com slash spring. That's athletics.com slash spring. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. You know where the Astros are unbeaten this year in the postseason? On the road. They've allowed only four earned runs in 36 innings on the road. That is a one ERA. Phillies have won all five home postseason games, outscoring their opponents 35 to 15, out homering them 12 to 6. So somebody is going to have a streak that's going to be ended tonight. Um, I think it's probably going to be the <clears> – <throat> I'm not going to make any predictions. I've been wrong. Uh, you've been what? I've been wrong. You, wait, you? I said I called a sweep, but. Wait, you, you've been wrong? We can still see a gentleman's sweep, as they call it. I've never, that, that, that is just made up fooey right there. Yeah, well, it's. There's either a sweep or there's not a sweep. Yeah, well, people always say gentleman's sweep, that's four, you know, one, four. I have five. no idea what the hell that means. I don't even know who made that up. I, is that even a real thing? Uh, I always hear it when we worked in sports talk, gentleman's sweep. I, th- that's just, that, then, okay, then it just shows you how lame that is because it's from sports talk. Oh, it's just- you either sweep, which means the other team doesn't win at all, or you don't. Correct. And, I, well, we already, I'm already wrong on the sweep, but we'll see. Um, also, Astros DHs, one for 34 in this series. Is is Hensley DHing tonight? Uh, did they release the lineups yet? Uh, last time I – hold on. Refresh, because I had the Phillies lineup. They are – it's officially out. Yep, Hensley will be in there, and he'll be at DH – Jordan will be out in left field. So it's going to go Altuve, Pena, Alvarez, Bregman, Tucker, Gurriel, Hensley, McCormick, and Maldonado. Maldonado, who cannot use Albert Pujols' bats. Did you hear about that? No, I did not. So I didn't know this, but Maldonado wanted to use Albert Pujols' bats. As a tribute, and of course he likes him. So Pujols sent him the bats. Then he was told he couldn't use the bats because Albert Pujols' bats are deemed legal now, and only he can use them because he was grandfathered in. They're the, they were that that kind of bat that when they hit and they broke, they shattered all over the place. Mm, okay. So they outlawed that style of bat. But somehow I didn't know this um, that Albert. And his people had petitioned that this is the bat he's been using. So he was grandfathered in. So they told Maldonado, uh, yes, that's cute that you want to honor your guy, but that bat has been outlawed and you can't use it. And as we mentioned earlier, Albert Pujols officially retired now as he filed the paperwork. Is that official? He filed the paperwork. What I've been told. Are you sure? You had Adam Wainwright was retiring and he's not retiring. Yeah, well, according to the – but I read, you know, I'm like you. I believe everything I read on Twitter. Um, Pulos is officially done. All right, Gold Glove winners are out. Would you like to know who the winners are? Uh, start in the National League because that- we'll want to get uh, the American League for Big Murph is our only candidate. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, National League, give them to me. Pitcher Max Fried of the Braves. <laughs> okay. Uh, JT Real Muto won a Gold Glove. Christian Walker of the Diamondbacks. Really? Brandon Rogers of the Colorado Rockies. 
Uh, Nolan Arenado only won his 10th gold glove. Wow. Uh, Ian Happ of the Cubs. Um, was, uh, Dan- miss- yeah, Danzy Swanson, shortstop. That will help in his free agency. Ian Happ, uh, the left fielder from the Cubs. Trent Grisham, center fielder from the Padres. Couldn't hit a lick until the postseason. Yeah, then well, then he struggled a little bit in the uh, NLCS. Uh, uh, Mookie Betts at right field. And great, the, great bowler. And the uh, there's a video of him. He's a great basketball player now, too. Um, and Brendan Donovan of the St. Louis Cardinals wins the utility award because that's a – When the hell do we start giving out a utility gold glove? Uh, this is the first year I believe they did it. Man, you guys just need trophies, don't you? Yeah, what? that's a rookie, Brandon Donovan. You just need trophies. Everybody's got to get a trophy. All right, so the American League, where should we start? Pitcher. I contest this. I think there's better fielding pitchers than Shane Bieber because I watched every start, <laughs> and he stay Like, the pitcher's getting a gold glove is a joke. Uh, well, Maddox was a really good gold glove pitcher. But how do you know? You watched every game. And I every watched every frame by frame. I went back and watched. And watched every time he fielded it. And why is he the only guy that wins it every year? Because everybody else can't field their position. It's a joke. Uh, so Bieber is a pitcher. Uh, catcher, Jose Trevino from the Yankees, not Sean Murphy. So Murph will not repeat. Although he, last year he became the first A's catcher to win a gold glove. So he will not repeat this year. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Really? Gold glove winner at first base. Really? Andres Jimenez, the second baseman from the Guardians. Ramon Urias, the third baseman from the Orioles. He had a pretty good year. Jeremy Pena. Kind of a big deal. He he gets one with the uh, the Astros at shortstop. How, how's, uh, how's he doing replacing Carlos Correa? Uh, I think he's having a nice little career in the playoffs. When Carlos Correa is out there talking about if you want to buy him, you got it's like going to Gucci or Prada. Dior. Dior. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Steven- By the way, we'll replace you for a hell of a lot cheaper, and the guy will have a hell of a lot better year. Uh, Stephen Kwan, our good friend, a friend of the program from Fremont, Washington High, uh, wins it for left Friend field. of the program. Miles Straw, former Astro, now Guardian center fielder, wins how about how, how about my Guardians cleaning up? Kyle Tucker wins his first gold glove in right field. He can't just—he's a great hitter, but he's also a good defender too. That no one ever talks. No one ever talks about him. Period. And then the utility player. I'm who sorry. Missed- I, I I don't. I I watch Kyle Tucker all the time, and I don't like remember one time going, "What a really great outfielder he is." Um. Yeah. True. But he also did hit. I mean, as a hitter, he hit 30 homers, driving 100 runs. This out. has nothing. What is that? That has nothing to do with it. Well, no, I'm just. I'm just you know, As a gold glover, I mean, have you watched any A's game this year with Kyle Tucker and you go, wow, that guy? Uh, no, he's made a couple of nice plays in the postseason, though. But we voted on the regular season. And the uh, winner in the uh, utility Who's award it? is DJ LeMay. Who he only, still plays? Who only played in 125 games this year. So there it is. There, there was a – I think um, the only repeat winner in the American League was DJ LeMayhew. As utility? Uh, he was the one say he would have got for second or third last year. Second. Second. Yeah. Yeah, he's the only repeat he's the only repeat guy last year. There's a bunch of first time winners this year. Remember when the gold glove really meant something? And the three guys in the World Series got one. Rubio Topania and Tucker. Remember when the gold glove really meant something? That's a Rawlings gold glove as Ray Fossey would always correct us. It used us. to mean something. Used, I mean it used to be like this is a big deal. Now it just it does not have that feel. Oh, voting for the Platinum Glove Award uh, is up for right now. Let's see. I bet you it's uh, Arnado. Bieber. Uh, <laughs> Max Freed. Is he on there? Uh, well, yeah, you can vote for any of these guys. You can vote for any of the guys that are that won in the American and National. You're going to give it to Vladdy Jr.? If I had to pick the Platinum Award, 
the Platinum Glove in the American League, I'd probably go with. Why not Pena? Probably Pena. National League, I mean, it's, it's easy. You can give it to an outfielder. National League, it's I'm probably going to go with Arnato. He's pretty good. Although there was an argument to be made that if you look at defensive runs saved, it should have been Key Brian Hayes of the Pirates, but they stopped. What happened to Matt Chapman? Apparently, Reyes was better. Greatest this year. third baseman of all time. You guys tried to sell me on. What was, his, what was his defensive war this year? I didn't even look. On the turf? Uh, we'll go to ESPN's rankings for war because you know, everyone's different. Uh, the best defensive war player in baseball this year, Key Ryan Hayes of the Pirates, didn't win a gold glove. Uh, let's see, where was Matt Chapman? Might just be easier to do it like this. Okay, well, he's not in the top 50. He's not in the top 50. The guy that we are, we're going to give $150 million to because of his defense is not in the top 50 in defensive war. Chapman's defensive war was 0.6. He was tied for 55th with Corey Seager, Salvador Perez. Corey Seager is not good defensively. John Birdie, Luis Renhifa. Hey, O'Neill Cruz up there. O'Neill Cruz had the same defensive you war. You literally are talking to yourself when you mention Pirates. Oh, no, I'm just saying O'Neill Cruz because he, he had some he's really a, highlight he, plays. Because he's a Pirate. Jazz Chisholm. You're literally talking to yourself. J.P. Crawford. These are, these are all guys tied with Chapman for and more. Let, let's, you know what? I, I, I didn't do my follow-up at the end of the year of Matt Chapman. Friend of the program. I love Chapman. But, you know, you do have to bring up, you know, oh, my God, we don't have Matt Chapman anymore. Matt Chapman hit 229 with 27 home runs. How many of them were at home? Uh, I think all of them. I think all of them, I can tell you right now. On the road, he was terrible. Just give me a second. I'll get it for you. Chapman splits in 2022. He was, I remember he had like, at one point, like majority of his home, all but like five were at, at Rogers Center. Um, Chapman at home hit 240 with 19 home runs, 40 runs driven in. On the road, he hit 218, eight home runs, 30 runs driven in. So I'm looking at it. Set, this is, I mean, you just look at consistency. 70, 78 games at home, 77 games on the road, 258 at-bats at home, 280 on the road. The difference in batting average is 240 and 218. How about OPS? The difference is 825 to 694. On the road, from a getting on base and slugging percentage, Matt Chapman, on the road, half of his games, was a below-average player. I want you to think about that. 694 in half of his games. So his stats are all about the home, which is a band box, the Rogers Center in Toronto. Which, if he if he did these exact same, if he played 78 games, this is the dead in his prime. If he played 78 games at the Coliseum and 77 games on the road, and he had this exact same road numbers, but you threw the 78 games at home at the Coliseum, his year last year would have been a disaster. Oh, yeah. And we sat back, and I took phone call after phone call after phone call about, oh, you got rid of Matt. And I, and I kept saying, are you sure? 
even Vince Catroni at one point jabbed me a little bit because I would say this because Chapman had a little bit of a hot streak. Where's this hot streak? I'm looking at a below major league player on the road and at home, eh. And that's in Toronto. If he would have had that exact same year at the Coliseum, he's a below average player that you'd be paying 150 plus million for. Think about that. That would have been your franchise guy. That would have been the guy that you locked up, hitting 218 on the road with a whopping eight solo home runs. And his defense wasn't as good. Uh, last year, he was second in the American League in strikeouts with 202 this year. Oh. This year, he finished fourth with 170 behind only Eugenio Suarez, uh, Armis Garcia, or not Armis Garcia, um, What's Garcia's first name from the Rangers? I'm drawing, drawing blank on his name. The big power hitter, center fielder. Oh, uh, Adolis. Adolis Garcia. Uh, the guy that's going to win the American League MVP to hit 60 home runs, Aaron Judge, struck out 175 times. Well, that's okay. Yeah, because he still hit 311. I'm okay with Aaron Judge striking out 175, hitting over 300, and having 62 home runs. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Chapman was up there. Chapman was fourth with 170. Then- Can you imagine? That's the guy we were going to give the money to. This is the guy we were going to make the commitment to. Can't make contact. Every once in a while runs into one. I, 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 it's like, thank God he didn't take the deal. This is his prime. Was he 29? How old is he? 28, I think. I think he's going to be 20. I think he will be 29. Uh, let's see. Actually, he might be. No, he's 29. Be, yeah, he'll be 30. He'll be 30 in April. This this is a Ace fans. Once again, how many times do we have to fight on the postgame show about signing guys long term? This is the guy you want at 29 years old who can barely – how much does he weigh? Uh, according to baseball reference, he weighs 215. Yeah. He barely hit his weight on the road. And at Oakland, he's not going to have the home numbers that he had at the Rogers Center. Just not going to do it. And that's who he would say – and by the way, he's in a playoff lineup. He's in a dynamic, unbelievable lineup. He would have to be the man with us. If you look at his numbers first year, you're coming off the hip surgery. These are his numbers last year in Oakland. Oh, are you still going hip surgery with him? Uh, at home in Oakland, he hit 10 home runs and drove in 29 and hit 185 at home last year. On the road, he hit 17 homers and drove in 43 and hit 234. He was worse on the road this year. Yeah, uh, he, he hit 185 at the Coliseum. And he struck out 106 times. So, once again, he hit 185 last year at the Coliseum. Now you put him in the Rogers Center, he hit 240. So, let's take him out of the Rogers Center, have the same year he had on the road, and make his home at a disaster. And you would need him to be the man. Once again, he's playing in the Blue Jays lineup, which is a stacked, terrific lineup, and hitting down in the lineup. We need to hit him in the lineup. He should have to hit. He'd have to hit third for us. He's our best player. Second or third, whatever you want to do with him. He's our best player. That's what we would have had for $150 million? Just so everybody could say, Chapman jerseys, we have Chapman. We have our guy. I understand you want to have your guy. We want to have that. I get it. But in the end, I'm just, I'm like, Matt Chapman, huh? That's what we were. That's what we were going to sign. That was going to be the one guy we get. It would have been another disaster signing. Uh, last year, his best spot in the order where he hit was he when he hit fifth. He hit two sixty three with ten home runs. 
So he was going to be he was the number five hitter for the A's last year. Let's I don't let me see where he was where he where he was his best hitter this year with the Blue Jays that had you know guys in their lineup like her, um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. Bichette, uh, Gurriel, all those guys were good. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, guys that were you know doing very uh, Alejandro Kirk, their catcher was a good, had a good year. Uh, you're right, their lineup was very stacked. So let's see Chapman's best numbers this year batting in an order his. Batting sixth, he hit two seventy six. He hit eleven home runs. Batting seventh, he hit two fifty. He hit twelve home runs. So when you had him bat, when you hit him fifth in the lineup for the Blue Jays this year in thirty two games, he hit one sixty one. So you had, to, as you said, you had to move him. I'm just building off your case. You had to put him down in the lineup because he wasn't hitting higher up in the lineup with the guys like Chat or with the guys like Bichette and Hernandez and Vlad Guerrero Jr. All bad, but I. I I'll look at that as Matt Olson, different ball game. Yeah, he had a good year. Matt Olson will be a different ball game. Matt Olson's going to be the one that's going to be that was tough. But we'll see what they're going to be bringing. We'll we'll be able to talk some uh, Arizona Fall League tomorrow, right? Yeah, we're going to talk Arizona Fall League with Eno. And then next week, maybe we'll bring a a friend of the program we talked to with the pie shop who's actually going to be down there as well. The great Rightfield Will will be there. He can give us a scouting report from the guys he's seen. When he's not in Arizona, because I think the the championship game is the following weekend on like the twelfth or thirteenth in Arizona, mm-hmm. so we can kind of get his report and boots make, on the ground. Yeah, official boots. Our official Ace Cast reporter in Arizona, right field. Will we got to come together on our Christmas party? I have a date in mind. Okay, that's open right now. That I would like. We got. I mean, we got to start promoting it because it could get crazy. Okay. All right. We want to thank. Steve Sparks. We want to thank Anthony Castrovince. We want to thank Roxy Bernstein and Scott Fransky, the voice of the Phillies, for all stopping by A's Cast Live. The World Series coming your way in about an hour? A little over an hour. What, hour and ten minutes? An hour and actually seven, but that's who's counting. Lance McCullers Jr. against one of the great for Ranger Suarez. What was the number of Sparks he told us real quick? What if he worked at a park? And he was a ranger. Park ranger? Ranger Suarez what he here. A, what if he was a Texas ranger? Texas ranger Walker Suarez. Yeah. But, te- I mean, if he was a park ranger, you would be Ranger Townsend. Yeah, so he's Ranger Smith. I get it. So, get it? He's ra- But he's yeah. already Ranger Suarez. Yeah. He would be Ranger Suarez either way. I don't know if I ever seen Get it? Do we Have we seen any other baseball players named Ranger that we know of? I've, I don't think I've ever heard of somebody named Ranger. I've never met anybody named Ranger. Let's see, they have uh, Ranger Suarez is the only player named Ranger in MLB history. Over twenty thousand people played Major League Baseball, and he's the first Ranger Suarez. He's just the first Ranger. No matter what his last name is now, first Ranger. It's the first Ranger. Yeah, I'd like to know why how how this came about. Uh, it was a <laughs> how did how did they go? What do you want to name your son? Do you want to name him Jeff, Bill, whatever unique name? No, Ranger. Yeah. Well, worked out for him. He's in the major leagues. Can he capitalize? How do we cap? How does how does Ranger Suarez capitalize off his first name Ranger? Uh, the Ford it, Ranger in Philly. Uh, yeah, Ford Ranger could be one. He could be a Ranger endorser. 
This is Ranger for the Ranger. When I'm driving down <laughs> Philadelphia, I'm always in my Ranger. I'm trying to figure out how we can monetize this for Ranger Sports. Uh, remember, you know, Granger, the company Granger. This is Ranger for Granger. You can do that. It's a play on words. Pretty bad idea. But but that's yeah. what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> that is what we're here for. Uh, so we're back tomorrow, 1 to 4. What Doug, do we got? Doug Glanville, who's calling the game. Uh, Smartest doing, man in baseball. Doing, he's doing pre and post game for ESPN on ESPN Radio. All right. Uh, Mike Farron, who we're going to talk to, who's also doing pre and post game for MLB Network Radio. And Ian Osiris, who's going to be at the Arizona Fall League, I believe. All right. So that will actually, Perfect. He, he's going to the Fall League on Thursday, so he'll still be here tomorrow. Eno. Eno Saris. Emo is going to be on Thursday. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach. Now you're going to start confusing everybody. Eno, Emo, we got a lot of E's. Eno Saris of the Athletic tomorrow. Bought you by Fieldwork Brewing. Scott Emerson, the ace pitching coach, on Thursday. I'm saying the Phillies take tonight. I think the Phillies take tonight and makes it really interesting. Still going to be tough to beat the Astros in this series, but I think Phillies take tonight. Raucous crowd, fired up. I don't know if it's Reese. I don't know if it's Bryce. I don't know if it's Ranger. How about the names on this team? It's like a bad law firm of Ranger, Reese, and Bryce. But somebody, I got a feeling Phillies do something special tonight. It's going to be rocking in Philly. It will be. 46,000 people will be there. And they haven't lost yet this year in the postseason. 69% of the time, winner of game three goes on to win the World Series. And the Phillies are 21-9 at home all time in the post or Citizens Bank Park. Doesn't really mean much. How long has the park been open? Early 2000s. How many of these guys are on the team in the early 2000s? None of them, but they're undefeated this year. Now that matters. They're undefeated in 08, I believe, too. That matters. Saying... Saying that a group of human beings that did something 20 years ago has no bearing on this game. Now you say that they're undefeated, but then I counter. The Astros haven't lost on the road. The Astros haven't (laughs) lost on the road. Somebody's streak is going to end tonight. Maybe I'm wishful thinking. Um, Neither of these guys will be in there long. Uh, most uh, McCullers will probably go five. Suarez will probably go four or five. He's he's pitched a few times. They've been the last few times been in relief. He hasn't started. McCullers, since. McCullers will go deep only if there is he's flawless. That's the only shot he's got. They will not allow him to grind at all. I had the stat on Ranger Suarez. Where did I put it? He last pitched. He last started game three of the NLCS. Um, that wasn't a good start. And at then all. he pitched two thirds of an inning in game three of the World Series or game one of the World Series, which he came in. Yeah. So his last start was. And and you know now that you've had multiple days off. These front offices are itching to get to their bullpens. Oh yeah, I mean front. O- I mean these front office guys are addicted to bullpens. Like they probably haven't been able to sleep because they know their bullpens haven't <laughs> been used. Like they wake up, how do we get the bullpen in? Like they, I mean, just putting a starter starter out there is like a showcase game. They just want to showcase something quick and get to the bullpen. I mean. There could be like there could be one walk in the first inning, and they're gonna be, they're hoping that their manager calls down and starts warming a guy up. Most likely, well, I mean, that's what we could see. We could see that with Ranger Suarez. Who knows? Right. There's been a breaking news today. Steve Nash out. And, Nash uh, is out. A lot of NFL trades happened. And the uh, guy that was just, what's his so, name for the Celtics? Is, uh, Udoka was supposed to be the new Nets coach after he suspended for the year. That's NBA's wild. And there's a bunch of trades that happened in the NFL. 
Uh, sorry, Raiders didn't do anything. So how is a guy who's under contract and suspended now allowed to be a head coach of another team? Apparently the, the Nets or the, the Celtics are going to let him out of his contract to go coach there. Are they getting like a pick or something? I don't know. What are they, what are they Ra- Raiders trading Gruden? Have we ever even figured out why exactly he was suspended? Uh, not the exact reason, no. Not that I know of. I haven't really paid attention. Well, I mean, it would have been headline news if we actually knew what it was. Yeah. He had some type of relationship with a fellow employee, and that's all we know. Yeah. I haven't really dug deeper on it. But, yeah, he's he's rumored to be the next coach of the Nets with Steve Nash out after a 2-5 start for the Nets. There's your NBA, NBA minute. Just when you think stuff couldn't get crazier in sports, something like that happens. A, couple, a lot of trades happen today in the NFL. Anybody worth noting? Um, big name. The Steelers tried to chase Claypool to the Bears for a second rounder. TJ Hawkinson, the Lions tight end to the Vikings. Um, Jeff Wilson Jr., the Niners to the, wait for it, Dolphins. So Mike McDaniel now has him and Raheem Mostert to run their offense. So, no, not really, no big names. Not like when Christian McCaffrey was traded from the Panthers to the Niners. Over and under, Christian McCaffrey finishes the season healthy. Oh, well, I will sell that. You're going to sell that? I don't think he's going to. If I did my buying or selling, McCaff- is McCaffrey the next Reggie Bush? Ooh. Um, no. I think I think he's going to have a better career. Oh. Oh, really? NFL career. Oh, okay. Put put up put up McCaffrey's stats. Let's go to a little pro football reference. Neither of them are going to play any. Neither of them are going to be Ironman in the game. That's for sure. <laughs> All righty. Reggie Bush. How many games has McCaffrey played in? Uh, McCaffrey's played in 66 career games. Reggie Bush, 134. How old was he when he stopped? 31. Okay. 31. McCaffrey's 26. All right. So Bush went at the age of 26. Is that where he is right now? Yeah, McCaffrey's at 26. Reggie Bush went 15 games, 16 games, 14 games, 11 games. Then with SF, got hurt, played five, and then finished in Buffalo with 13. How many touchdowns has he scored? Rushing. Rushing, uh, 33. Reggie at 36. How about receiving? Uh, 19. He's got Reggie at 18. How many total yards, rushing yards? Total, How many yards, total yards? Well, total rushing at 4,112 and receiving he has 3,371. So, what is that, 7,400 total yards? Where's Reggie Bush's total yards? Nine from – 35 – what is that, 35, so 3,600. Here's total yards. Yeah, 7,483 for McCaffrey. 9,088. Not that far off. I don't know if he stays healthy. Yeah. Uh, how many career catches for Reggie Bush? Career catches. Be receptions. It would be right here. So four seventy-seven. The Caffrey's at four hundred. So they're close. I how many career touchdown passes? It doesn't have passing. Wait, do I have to go to where do I go and put football reference for? Yeah, passes? go down a little bit. It'll have it'll have passing. Passing. Oh, he has a pick. He was a bum. He's 0 for 1 with a pick. Christian McCaffrey, 2 of 4, two touchdowns, no picks. Just kind of kind of a comparable career kind of so far. Yeah, McCaffrey the first player since 
Well, Danny and Tomlinson have a res- rushing, receiving, and passing touchdown in the same game. Who was that against? The the Chargers game? So that, that had to be the Raiders. It was against the Raiders. <laughs> had to be. Those when the Raiders were bad. I was at that game. <laughs> um, Yeah, that's going to be interesting. To, I, I, I was – Totally I was, forgot. Bradley Chubb got traded from the, the Broncos. I was I – w- yeah, that's – Bradley that's, Chubb to the Dolphins. I uh, I brought this up to somebody, and um, and they didn't like me bringing it up, but I went, hey, remember there was always that Reggie Bush is going to – Reggie Bush is – Reggie Bush, and then all of a sudden it was just like mm. – can't stay healthy. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about him, too. Calvin Ridley suspended the entire year for gambling on football. Traded from the Falcons to the Jaguars. Uh, something I want to get into we didn't get into yesterday, the Dave Dombrowski. Dave Dombrowski yeah. versus the analytical world. Why he keeps winning and they don't. Yeah, I read that article yesterday. It's very yeah. interesting. Dave Dombrowski just does it his way, and he keeps winning. God, it's, it's like it's crazy to think. Dave Dombrowski, who's now gotten the Phillies to the World Series, gets gets the Red Sox to the World Series, wins the World Series, and less than a year after the World Series gets fired and they bring in Heim Bloom, he's a genius, and they haven't even sniffed anything yet. Yeah, they're averaging like 84 wins a year or something like that. It was the Red Sox since Heim came in. I mean, it's cr- it's crazy. He was also the he also took them to, what, 108 wins? 120 total with the playoff wins when they won the World Series in 18? Think about this. Dave Dombrowski wins the World Series for the Red Sox. And the reason why they brought him in is they thought they were leaning too too analytical. So that's why they brought him in. Win the World Series, and then the next year, fire him. A year, not even a year after they won the World Series, to bring in ultimate, ultimate analytics, which is essentially spin less, get more. Yeah. And it's been a disaster. We can get into that more tomorrow. It was a good article. It's a very it's on Yahoo Sports. It's a very Zach Krisner. That's what I, I was trying to say his name is how I would say we'd say his name. Krisner. Might book him. I think it'd be interesting to get me if someone's really researched this. Like this guy's taken five different te- five different teams, four different organizations, five different teams of the World Series. Yet he doesn't have a moneyball book about him. He doesn't have a movie about him. He doesn't have yeah. All he does is get to the World Series, right? Yeah, very true. Like Andrew Friedman, oh, my God, L.A., Heim Bloom, oh, look at these guys coming out of Tampa and everybody. That may be – could you say, and this might be a little bit of a discussion for later later down the road, does it show how we're we're, we're constantly looking at the wrong things in our game? Like the thing that became popular was – how cheap can we be and, and get the most out of our teams? That's really what it became. Like, because Moneyball was, was, was Billy Bean's doing this out of necessity, mm-hmm. right? He's not doing it because it's like this. He wants to. He he was doing it because he was trying to win, and this this is what he was allowed to do. I love that quote, Billy, at the end with his quote from Moneyball. And then then it became everybody wants to do this, and my wife was just speaking in. Um, then it became like everybody wants to do this. Well, let's spend more money and get more out of it. So it became how do we become more functional? How do we come better and get cheaper? Versus Billy Bean did it because he had to. This is how we this is how he survived. This is how he won games. So it's an honor for Billy Bean to be associated with Moneyball. 
a guy like Hein Bloom is running the Red Sox, and they have as much money as almost any professional sports team in the United States is trying to run on the cheap. That's disgusting. That's wrong. Like, and and you know what? If I was Billy Bean, I'd be pissed that you're lumping me in with all these guys because that's not – I didn't have Fenway Park. I didn't have Nesson. I didn't have all of this, right? All these guys got all these resources I don't have. And now you're trying to lump them in with me. So if I'm Billy Bean, which Billy could give two you-know-whats about what I'm talking about, but if I'm Billy Bean, I'm like, this is not apples to apples. You've got rich teams trying to hoard more money and spend less on the product. That's not what Billy Bean was doing. So invoking the Moneyball name and the Moneyball stuff is not fair to Billy Bean and the A's. Am I wrong? No. I agree with it. I mean, because they're purely saying Dave Dombrowski was not a Moneyball guy. Dave was about winning and spending. And then after winning the World Series, the Red Sox went, ah, that was great, but I'd rather spend less money. So let's fire him and bring in Hein Bloom. But look at what Hein Bloom's done with the Rays. Oh, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. Because they can't spend. They're brilliant. And then what happens? He comes and spends. To me, if I'm the Boston Reds, if I'm a Red Sox fan, knowing what I know, I think this is a disaster. Oh, I mean, how he couldn't. The Mookie Betts trade, how's that working out? Yeah, it's been an absolute disaster. All righty, everybody, enjoy the World Series Game 3. We'll be back tomorrow breaking it all down. And it's winner of Game 3 usually goes on to win. So this game, they're all important, but we'll have fun with this one. It's going to be the Phillies hosting the Astros in just a, is it a 5-5 five, five what start? 5-0-3. 5-0-3. Less so than an hour. Less than an hour. Strap it on Game 3, and we'll see everybody tomorrow back here on A's Cast. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Oakland Athletics Spring Training is right around the corner, and you can be part of the excitement. Get your tickets now and plan ahead for a fun-filled trip to Mesa, Arizona this spring. Pack the sunscreen, bring your friends, pick up some ballpark classics, and watch your green and gold get ready for the regular season. Get your tickets today to see the Athletics take on the Giants, Padres, Cubs, Dodgers, and more. Tickets are on sale now at athletics.com spring. That's athletics.com spring. If you're looking for a new mattress, Nest Bedding has you covered. Sleep on the same mattress Hall of Famer Ricky Henderson sleeps on. Nest Bedding is a national brand with family-owned prices and service. You can shop at one of their burial locations, and all stores are sanitized and safe. Or you can navigate their easy-to-use website, nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Green and Gold fans, use the coupon code Oakland, and you'll get 10% off your entire order. Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.